the blast from our past network. Sith, the Jedi, the Rebels, let it all die. Ray, I want you to join me. We can rule together and bring a new order to the galaxy. Don't do this, Ben. Please don't go this way. No, no, you're still holding on! Let go! Do you want to know the truth about your parents? Or have you always known? You just hidden it away. You know the truth. Say it. Talking back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Talking Back, the podcast where we like to chat about past achievements in movies, comics, video games, and more. I'm your host, Tim. Today, we are covering episode eight in our Star Wars franchise walkthrough. It's called The Last Jedi, and it's a bit of a sad affair because we are having our last episode where we have guests but we have two very special guests joining in the red corner from the great state of Georgia, representing the Blast From Our Past podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, and Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. Welcome back to the show, Adam Spees. Woo! Thank Woo. you, gentlemen. Yay. Yes, Georgia Woo. is a red state, so it makes sense that uh, <laughs> I'm in the red corner. Um, that wasn't lost on me, yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> uh, thank you, guys. Yes, you, those are all the podcasts I'm on. So many podcasts. And I am really excited. I'm so glad you guys decided to get uh, me and my co-star together for this one. Um, we are good at yelling at each other, and I think <laughs> this episode is going to be beefy <laughs> on that account. <laughs> There so, may be yelling. Yes. I was anticipating yelling. I, I do want to mention, um, so I will have uh, some different themed Star Wars drinks uh, throughout the night because Ooh. I cannot discuss this movie without being drunk because this is so <laughs> fucking bad of a film. Um, and I'm starting off uh, because I am a fan of the dark side of the force with a simple dark and stormy, which is uh, dark rum ginger beer and some bitters so a little dark and stormy oh, nice. for the dark side i love a dark and stormy buddy very nice and joining him for our discussion from the opposite side of the country from the great state of oregon in the blue corner representing podcasting after dark and cartwright of seinfeld podcast welcome back to the show Corey stevenson yeah hey guys Woo. 
Thanks Ooh. for having me back. I am now going to defend probably the second. Well, no, I think I defended the second most hated with Attack of the Clones. This is probably the most hated uh, Star Wars film, at least in, in recent memory. And uh, I will be defending it today with a nice, uh, clean... Uh, cloud core hazy pale ale IPA. It's 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 nice and yeah. smooth. Is that for Cloud City? Yeah, yeah, baby. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Nice. Very nice. Wrong movie, but very nice. <laughs> <laughs> and joining as always is co-host Dean, who is wearing a porg on his shoulder. Mm. Yeah, man. Wearing a porg. Love it. <laughs> okay. Gotta love it. Okay. My man. Looks you, don't have, you don't have to love it. <laughs> yeah, you know, you don't have to. I do. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this episode. I'm excited to have uh, Corey and Adam on here. I know they like to yell at each other, so I didn't even watch the movie. I'm not even going to chime in. <laughs> this just let them go. Just let them go for it. Uh, Dean, I need your back on this one, buddy. Oh, okay, 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 yeah. sure, sure, sure. Okay. This was pitched sort of like a two on two, but um, I've, I've been trying my best not to rip on these movies. I'm trying to pull out the good in them, so... I, I we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Here, here's the thing. Three on one. I have no, no, the way one. I like it, baby. I have, <laughs> I have been known to get worked up pretty easily, so we'll see what happens. Now, Adam, um, could you just give us like a quick background about your history with Star Wars? Like, are you a fan? Did you grow up with it? Um, that type of stuff. Just let the listeners know kind of where you're at. Absolutely. Um, you know, being a nerd like all of us when we were younger, born in the 80s, um, it's impossible to get away from Star Wars. And so I absolutely fell in love. I watched the films as a kid. We had the VHSs when I was younger. And so I absolutely watched the original trilogy, got super stoked when uh, the prequels came out. And like everyone else, got incredibly depressed uh, because of the prequels. And then eventually my fandom grew back once uh, Filoni got involved and improved that world. Uh, and then uh, the sequels came out, and I got stabbed in the chest. But then Mandalorian rejuvenated me, and so <laughs> things are—you know—it's it's been a roller coaster. But my passion and uh, adoration for Star Wars has never waned. You know, I am not one of those fanboys who thinks, oh, because it's Star Wars, it's good. Um, that is BS. Same kind of thing with the MCU, in my opinion. Movies are allowed to be bad just because they are in that franchise doesn't make them good. And so, um, yeah, you guys are going to hear my thoughts and find out which side of the fence I'm on pretty fucking quickly. I think we know already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it is, uh, yeah, there are, movies are allowed to be bad. It's just funny that you said Star Wars and MCU because those two franchises actually have no bad movies in them. It's funny that those were your examples. <laughs> oh, God, that's, Dean. That's wow. not correct. You're, that's you're, not take off those rose-colored glasses. What? Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. <laughs> now, you mentioned Dave Filoni. Adam, you are a Clone Wars fan, right? The Absolutely. animated series. Yeah, I've seen every episode of Clone Wars. Um, and actually, part of... The reason I got back, or actually, not I got into it, but I got back into it, I rewatched a whole bunch of it, is because of you guys. You guys talked the Clone Wars, um, that original animated film, and uh, I listened to that episode, and I was like, oh, man, I have got to go back and rewatch all this stuff. So I rewatched all the Clone Wars stuff, rewatched Rebels all again, um, and it just, it, it's, it's amazing. I think those series, what they do for an atrocious trilogy you cannot deny in my, or I guess you can, um, but I do not deny that the prequels are an atrocious trilogy. 
and what they do for that era. They make that era so interesting. And honestly, I want to say thank you to you guys talking about because I had never seen that, you know, that first um, like the Samurai Jack style. Um, but I, I watched that thanks to you guys. Oh, you know, thank, cool. thank you for saying that. Yeah. yeah. So, it, yeah, it was the Filoni, um, uh, the, the CGI stuff that I really liked. And then I had to go back and rewatch all of it. So it's really cool. Yeah, I'm a huge uh, Gen D uh, Tartatovsky fan. Mm-hmm. He's the one who did the uh, like he's the the guy who created that Clone Wars yes. uh, series. If you liked the Clone Wars and you haven't watched it yet, I would highly recommend checking out the Samurai Jack um, animated show. I put Samurai Jack and the Clone Wars as kind of like my one and one at the very top of animated shows. Uh, they are just the best. It's such great content. Those shows, they're amazing. Check those out. Did you, uh, did you ever get into Primal yet? I didn't. His other show? No, I wasn't really like taken aback by the, the concept of it, but that's popped up recently. Uh, a friend of mine mentioned it, and I've seen it um, You know, just uh, searching Google and stuff. It's come up again, so I might go and check that out. I What I said to my friend about it, who was thinking of checking it out, I said, Jendi Tartatovsky could shit, and it would be excellent. So... <laughs> <laughs> it, it's whatever he does is just magic. So, yeah, yeah, I should check it out. Now, Corey, you did join us on the Attack of the Clones episode, uh, but just give us a little refresher on your relationship with Star Wars. Yeah, um, Star Wars has been in my life, my entire life, uh, as I'm f- known for saying. Uh, Aliens is my favorite movie, but Star Wars is life. I love every bit of it, uh, but I, you know, I'm aware that not every bit of it is perfect, and not every bit of it is good. Um, kind of like Adam, I didn't quite uh, love the prequel era until the Filoni stuff came out, the Clone Wars cartoons. Burned my way through all of those, and now I gotta say. As far as like stories and eras go, I love the prequel era as much as I love the OT era. Now, as far as sequels go, I mean, I, I'm gonna you know defend this movie and I'm gonna say I enjoy it, but it's it, it's like being my favorite of my least favorite things. So I am not a fan of the sequels. Um, I think there's some good parts in them and I think there's some good ideas, but I don't think a lot of it was fleshed out. Unfortunately, that being said, I'm not against the idea that there is a Clone Wars esque style show in the future that will tie it all together for me and make me love it. But I'm not. The there yet and i don't revisit the sequel trilogy that often to be truthful with you i hear that that is one of kind of the saving graces of these movies with these big gaps between them is that they showed us with the clone wars animated series how much you can build up these movies by filling in what happened in between so i really hope that they can fill in the gaps to some of these movies and have them just be more impactful because of that Yeah, I mean, it's to the point where, like, the Clone Wars and Rebels were so good that I almost look at the films as tertiary material to the the cartoons themselves. You know, I think so much more uh, character development was done in those shows. So right now with Andor, I just hope that we see some – I hope that we don't see – and or sort of rewriting any of the Rebels canon um, with Mon Mothma and stuff like that. So I'm curious to see how Rebels survives this next 12 episodes of Andor. Yeah. I was going to ask everybody their thoughts on this film. I feel like we kind of got it from Adam and Corey already. So, Dean, maybe just really quick, do you like this film? 
Uh, yes, I do. I do like this film. I will say, though, um, it slipped down my rankings this watch. And I'm not even that it slipped down my rankings, um, but other movies moved up. Like, yeah, I, I liked other movies more this watch around than I did uh, when I ranked them before a couple years ago. Uh, so a few other movies jumped uh, over this one, but it's still it's pretty high. <laughs> what? <laughs> I like it. What's wrong? I like Impossible. it. Okay. Adam, let's start yelling at him right now. Oh, God. He's an idiot. <laughs> Adam, I noticed your dark and stormy is just about done already. Yeah. You know what? That's I'm going to polish that off. <laughs> well, Adam's polishing that off. Uh, I think The Last Jedi is an okay movie, but I don't like it as a Star Wars movie. That's kind of where I'm at. Um, I was thinking about it. I'm like, what does this movie like? What does this movie really mean to me? And where I got with it is it reminds me of my relationship with the cereal Lucky Charms. And I buy Lucky Charms for the marshmallows. I love the marshmallows, right? Who doesn't? But there's not enough marsh marshmallows. There never is. And then you have to eat all the other bits around the marshmallows to get to the marshmallows. And then when you eat the marshmallows, you realize they're not actually that good. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the thing, though. You must be a dark side person. I am, I am like Luke from Return of the Jedi. I am balanced in the Force, both light <laughs> Good and both for you. dark. And you right, eat yeah. Lucky Charms because they are a perfect balance. You have to eat the right amount of those cardboard pieces with the marshmallows to get the perfect balance in your mouth. You can't True. just eat around them, sir. You can't just go for what you want, the power. It's not all about power, Tim. You've got it's, not to, balanced, it's almost though. like you're defending Last Jedi. I'm defending Lucky Charms. <laughs> I think he's defending Last Jedi. I think you're right. I think, I think, I think, we got him. Do. No. I think he is. What, what I would say about uh, Last Jedi is I agree absolutely that it doesn't feel right as a Star Wars movie. If you take this completely out of Star Wars, make it its own total separate kind of sci-fi thing and its own standalone story, it wouldn't be as hated as, as it is now. It's Agreed. because you put it in the context of Force Awakens and The Rise of Skywalker that you're just like, what the fuck? And then it just, it plummets. Yeah. I just want to say a balanced Lucky Charms box would be equal parts marshmallow to cereal. <laughs> that would be balanced. Okay. 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 So so <laughs> keeping with the Lucky Charms, Lucky Charms the way they are now is kind of like pre-Sith, pre-Palpatine Republic where there was and if the cardboard pieces are the Jedi, there are much more Jedi than there are uh Sith users sure. out there. And right. thus it's not actually balanced and thus you need somebody to wipe out all the cardboard stuff to balance the force. That's right. Yeah. And and two marshmallows there will be no oh. more no less. <laughs> no more no less. <laughs> all right, I just did my next pour and I am drinking Star Ward. Star nice. Ward. Nice. It's an Australian uh uh whiskey. So Very nice. Finished, finished in uh red wine barrels. So, good stuff. Let us know when that bottle's done. <laughs> 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 All right, released in 2017 with a budget of $317 million, The Last Jedi grosses $1.3 billion, which is a ton of money, but a far cry from the $2 billion that The Force Awakens brought in. It is directed by Ryan Johnson, music by John Williams, and back again is the cast from The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi was nominated for four Academy Awards, Best Score, Best Sound Editing, Best Sound Mixing, and Best Visual Effects, which, I mean, those nominations make sense. That's the stuff. Mm -hmm. Star Wars, 
usually gets accredited for. So no surprises there. Now our opening crawl. The First Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. Only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny. Certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the Rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. That's a fine opening crawl. I would have liked to see the Republic. Honestly, all of like the Republic being decimated would have been nice because in Force Awakens, the Republic was fine and they sent the Resistance to go fight the First Order. And then all of a sudden... The Republic's gone in this one. I feel well, like no. The Republic got destroyed in the fir- uh, in Force Awakens when uh, Hossian Prime system gets destroyed oh, you're right, by right, Star right, Killer, Killer Base. Base. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. like they they take out like five planets or something like that. Okay, and that sure. is you have to you have to read the books. But yeah, that is now okay. it's not Coruscant anymore. But Hossian Prime became the uh, the central part. Like gotcha. it doesn't matter. So they did technically they did. But this is also. The first Star Wars movie, uh, it canonical, like numbered ones and episode ones, to pick up right yeah. after the previous film. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think that is a big detriment to the character development in yeah. this uh, movie. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. I always enjoy the opening sequences in the Star Wars movies. In this one, the First Order has found the Rebels base. They release a new ship called the Dreadnought. And we get a pretty good action sequence as the Resistance are trying to destroy the Dreadnought before it destroys them. So, Adam, as you sit down to watch this movie, are you interested in this opening sequence? Does this do anything for you? I was um, until they completely botched it. So you have this badass ship that we hadn't seen before. Now, I think technically they had had like a Dreadnought in some previous stuff, but I've never felt like I've seen exactly this ship as it was with the two under cannons and how it just kind of could wreck um, like cities and things like that. And Poe was just emphasizing how much we got to take it down and all this kind of stuff, which I get. It looks ominous, but they honestly, in my opinion, did not set up the stakes for the Dreadnought. They should have made the Dreadnought wreck shit and then had to blow it up later. And honestly, in my opinion, they should have had the Dreadnought kill Leia, and then it's take that whole ship down later. Um, I want to bring up that it absolutely pisses me off. Um, Carrie Fisher died in December of, what, uh, 2016? And this one came out yeah, in the, 2017? the year before this came out, yeah. Exactly. It, she died almost in exactly a year before this came out, and they had all that time to prep us as the viewers for a proper and fulfilling passing of Princess Leia. And we were all ready for it, and they fucking botched it. Um, and so this opening one, I don't think they set up the stakes of the Dreadnought enough. And in general, I just it just um, it, it left me feeling wanting, uh, this opening sequence. 
Yeah, that, that Dreadnought should have at least killed another ship because you only yes. get uh, somebody saying, I think I think it's Poe, that thing's a, a, a ship killer or yes. something like that, a fleet destroyer. You you get it in, in verbal. Yes. You don't get it in, in visualization. Um, I think that this opening sequence is a ton of fun. I, I don't think Adam is wrong in, in that it has a lack of stakes, uh, but I think the pacing of it, uh, I think like sort of just the way the, the, the whole movie movie starts like this i have a lot of fun in the opening act of this movie uh, i enjoy the humor i have no problem with with the humor in it uh it's not one of my favorites but it's it's up there it's a good opening act i mean it's not quite as good as revenge of the sith that's probably one of the best like opening acts of of all of them but this one is a lot of action to it and i think it's a lot of fun yeah i think it's i think it's a lot of fun too um i i have a lot of fun opening i think it's i think it's very exciting um, the, I, I, I get the, you know, the dreadnought thing, not, not, uh, you know, getting the stakes up for it. So you don't even know what it does. Um, my whole, the whole reason why I like this movie is because like, I like Ryan Johnson who throws tropes, like twists them on their head. He likes to do that in all his movies. He likes to be like, this is a mystery movie, but just kidding. It's not. Um, and so this is a star Wars movie, but just kidding. It's not, <laughs> but then it is like, he, he likes to still bring it back around at the end. So why I like this is because he does like to mess with the tropes. So I think this is supposed to be like, Poe is doing the wrong thing in this moment. And if we know that this dreadnought is a serious problem, we might be on his side. And I think we're not supposed to be on his side by the time we get a little later on in the movie. So I think it's just like, oh, we didn't even really know what that did. So maybe it was a good choice, but maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was the wrong choice. So I, I, I do feel the stakes aren't quite up there for it, except for it looking like badass. Uh, but I, I think once I get later on in the movie, I don't care anymore about it because I'm, I'm more into sort of what's going on then. Yeah. yeah you forget about it pretty quickly. I agree with that. Yeah. I think like most of the movie, I'm kind of like split with it. I enjoyed my time watching it visually, but story-wise, I just, I felt like it was really sloppy for a few different reasons. Like this is what's supposed to start this whole theme in the movie of the resistance being on the run from the first order and they kind of screwed up by killing the the dreadnought and it sort of feels like they won that battle and that that should have been the start of the chase i should have felt like there's there's something going on now but i didn't get that feeling at all and while i thought those bombers looked really really cool what is the deal with this one bomber surviving for so long like why didn't that bomber get blown out of the sky they just killed 10 of them or they destroyed 10 of them. How does just one somehow just slowly make its way there and release the bombs? I just felt like it was like, it was way too overly dramatic on purpose. And I didn't like it for that reason. And, and the thing that kind of sucks is that those 10 other, or say nine other bombers, they all get destroyed by one TIE fighter that explodes, hits one of the bombers, and you watch it, it blows through them all. So if they weren't in a line, I mean, we're in space. You can you can have, you don't have to be in a straight line. You can be in any formation you want. But if they weren't in a damn line, but, so basically one TIE fighter took out like eight of those freaking bombers, which is kind of pathetic in my opinion. It makes them all worthless because, oh, you only needed one of those ships to take down this entire dreadnought like mm -hmm. it just yeah, yeah. it's it very divisive so you're expecting like... to get like all the other ones are going to get killed for you to get there i mean i get it it's supposed to be a world war ii motif type of thing an homage to to the bomber runs back then but if anything 
Like, I would have rather seen something more akin to a longer bombing run, maybe in, instead of uh, the type of the X-Wings in, in Force Awakens, do more of a bombing run, because that's something we haven't seen. And then here in this movie, we get bombers, like, oh, this is different and new. Oh, but they get wiped out, like, immediately. And I'm just like, and it looks cool, because there's so many particles and pieces. You're like, oh, that's that's awesome. But then you realize, like, wait a minute, they just... They all died from one foul TIE fighter, one fell swoop, you know? And when only one of them is left, you you start to not feel like they won't succeed in their mission. Like when all of them quickly get wiped out and you've got the one, I just felt like, okay, this is however long it takes for this thing to drop the bombs, it's going to happen. They're going to do it. They're going to destroy it. I didn't, I lost the sense of urgency because of the way that they did that. Mm-hmm. She's going to kick that remote down, obviously, with her you knew it was great uh, kicking skills. Yeah. Well, did uh, did Princess Leia push it with the Force? Because there was intercutting Princess Leia kind of closing her eyes and, and thinking, and I almost wonder if she no, she pushed it with so. the Force a little bit. I wondered if that, um, if the, the lady herself used the Force while kicking, but I, I think she's kicking so ferociously that she's just trying to knock it off, knock it over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that... Like weakness of the bomb, like how 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 easy they are to be taken out, is just again shows us how dumb the plan is. Like, yeah. why is this the pl- this wasn't the plan? Why this wasn't the shields? plan? Though? Put shields on like, those bombers. That would make some sense. <laughs> yeah. So the plan is to turn around and get out of here. Like, yeah. so just Poe going forward with this plan and then having them be destroyed instantly by just running into them shows you this was a bad plan. Like, this was he shouldn't have done this. He should have listened. And that's definitely what they're setting up is, you know, Poe is making bad decision, rash decision, rash decision after rash decision. And you're supposed to see that and dislike him more. But the problem with it is I had this entire movie before this where I have now gained trust in Poe and just him immediately not trusting him. That's not going to happen. It would have been more impactful yeah. if they all got destroyed and Poe yeah. is blamed for this yes. and the Dreadnought doesn't get destroyed. That builds the character they're trying to build, but and, they don't do it because we have to have happy things yeah. happening. And then the, the Dreadnought <laughs> is chasing them the entire time and those are the stakes. Like, oh my God, I love writing a better movie in a podcast. Honestly, that's like my favorite thing. I, I like, Tim, I like that you said that happy things have to happen about this movie. This movie does not have many happy things happening. It has it. tons of happy things. Get out of here. Do you know how many here. people died on this run? How many people we saw die in the cockpit on this run? So much more than we've ever seen the close-up of them dying. Well, like Corey said, they shouldn't have been in a straight line. That's their fault. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah sure. It's, they still died. I don't mean to draw out this like opening act or anything like that, but I think what I'm about to say is applicable to the whole movie. I think one of the things that makes a lot of this work, even when it shouldn't, is the performances like the the captain of the dreadnought uh K- Kennedy or whatever his name is I thought that guy was great like everyone in the movie I think is doing a fantastic job uh at least I should say like a lot of the side actors and stuff like that like that guy and whatnot and the the girl who plays Tally Lentra and the the A-wing pilot and stuff they have these m- micro moments of performances that are I think are really good you know and I think that's what helps to sort of solidify some of these problems uh, or not make the problems a little bit easier to swallow sometimes for some of us as I, as I see Adam taking in a big breath. Well, <laughs> here, what I, my, my initial thought goes to Hux. I think he is mm-hmm. one of the worst fucking characters and they absolutely, he was a terrible villain and a terrible character throughout this entire franchise. Yeah. I actually liked him. I liked him, but and you're wrong. It's I understand okay, Tim. what you're saying. <laughs> well, I understand all right. What you're saying. I, I'm going to throw it out because it, it starts off in this, in this opening sequence. I don't like the way he was treated, Adam, yes. but I liked him. Uh, well, okay. I, I, 
I think the whole this what you're gonna say where Poe is joking with him that yeah. actually turned me off from the yeah. entire movie when I watched it. I was just like, again, it, it was what happened in the Force Awakens where Poe at the beginning is joking with Kylo Ren. That doesn't work for me because yep. yeah, Kylo exactly. Ren should have cut his head off at that moment. So I don't I don't like this part where he's just joking with him that doesn't make any sense to me i don't feel like that's realistic even in the star wars universe so i don't like that but that didn't not make me like hux i really liked um his role you know that he was given but he just he wasn't he wasn't really evil he was he no. was a bit of a goofier character but i, I kind of liked him uh, it was hard i i felt so little about him and it was because exactly as you, as you put it he was undermined every which way by poe by Kylo Ren, by Snoke. Every, Snoke like tosses him around like a ragdoll in this film. He is treated so pathetically, I felt nothing about Hux. I just don't care about him because he's he's beneath even me. He's beneath everybody here. And you got to compare him to a Grand Moff Tarkin. Grand Moff Tarkin had presence. I mean, that man stepped up to Vader. He stepped up to Princess Leia. Like we, And we, the thing is, we fucking love him for that. Like, I love him as a character and a villain, and Hux just doesn't have that. I mean, I feel like, you know, I could walk by Hux and be like, ha, 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 you were in that movie and you kind of sucked, and that's it. It's just, he was nothing. Uh, Dom Hall Gleason as an actor, is awesome. Fucking awesome. But I just don't think this was the role, this was not a good role in general. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to move us along here. So I want to get to Ray giving Luke his lightsaber. And Ray thought he'd be very excited about getting it. I thought he'd be very excited about getting it. And he just throws it over his shoulder. And he walks away and he locks himself in his hut like a grumpy old bastard. So, Corey, at the end of The Force Awakens, I thought Luke would feel needed and excited about someone bringing him his lightsaber and kind of getting him back into the fight. Did you have any thoughts at that time about what Luke would do in that moment? And then also, what are your thoughts with the path that they decided to take Luke's character on in this film? Yeah, I never foresaw him just tossing it aside, you know, after at the end of Force Awakens. I didn't see that coming. But when I watch this movie, I am going to defend Luke's trajectory and his character in this film. I I have my own personal, you know, reasons uh, uh, for that. I, you know, a little backstory about myself. I, you know, went to, to L.A. to do things, quote unquote, to do things. And then you, you know tried I mean? to kill your nephew. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but, you know. I was also the the firstborn son from like my mom's side of the family, so it was like a big deal. It was a big, you know, send off. You know, oh, this he's gonna make it. He's gonna do things, and I I didn't. I mean, I'm I'm not unhappy with how my life turned out, but it didn't turn out the way that I think I thought it was going to, and a lot of other people thought it was going to. And I look at Luke Skywalker in this film uh, with the you know what had happened with Kylo Ren and everything we got to take everything as you know face value and what he says and and what Kylo says and that moment you know obviously it haunts him you know forever and he knows that he fucked up in that in that moment you know and but at the same time I can I like I said I can totally see where he's at right now I could totally see where he's at, at the beginning of this movie but I'm also not entirely sure that he's not 
doing a crazy Yoda thing and testing her her resolve, testing her mantle to see whether or not she is going to follow him all the way through to the end, you know? So I look at it as two point, two ways, right? I do think that, that he is bitter. I think that he did go there to disappear. I don't think he ever wanted to come back to the galactic stage at all. I think he felt that he failed. But I do think that when she came to his doorstep and he had in, in a set in a moment, he knows how much effort it took her to get there and all that kind of stuff. And even if he is cut off from the force, I think he can sense value in her. I think he can sense something in her. And I think right away, this might be again, I'm saying it might be it might be him doing a crazy Yoda thing at the beginning, trying to see what how she's going to react, you know, now, granted, because of because of Rise of Skywalker is like eighty five percent of a retcon to this movie, you know he says, oh don't don't throw away your lightsaber so haphazardly. No, I don't think that's right. I think that's a retcon. I think he did this on purpose, and I think that it was it was it was for a purpose. And I can understand where he's at. And now when he tries to interact with her and she's following him around, he's just acting like Crazy Yoda the whole time. So that's where I'm coming from. I like. Luke Skywalker as a sort of, I wouldn't call him an anti-hero in this movie, but he's in a place where he's not the hero. And he's also not the Obi-Wan character. It's, it's, we have something completely new, which is the reluctant, uh, you know, master. Cause even Yoda kind of gave up that reluctancy in like 15 minutes, you know, I just think we're seeing a longer gestation of the crazy old hermit role. Hmm. I, I thought it was a big swing that they took. Uh, deciding to do that but at the same time i think that they only did it because people like weren't expecting it and they just tried to like give us a big shock Um, well we have to because you got to figure the backlash from force awakens was that everyone was like the biggest backlash was that it was too derivative it was too similar to a new hope and everyone demanded something super different so disney did what they reacted in which i think is bad i don't think you should react to reactions yeah um but uh, uh they reacted and then they gave us this which is arguably one of the most different star wars movies out there and then the populace was like whoa 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 <laughs> slow your roll and i i say what do you fucking people want that's what i say we I, want good I, writing <laughs> I think in this case, uh, Ryan Johnson took whatever J.J. Abrams gave him with Luke Skywalker. Luke Skywalker is on an island with a map that he had split up to not find him. Like, he's not kidnapped somewhere where he's being rescued and he's excited to get out. He wants to be there. He wants to be isolated. He had a huge failure. We don't we don't know about the huge failure in the movie before, but he had a huge failure and he he's given up. He wants to cut it all out. I think it makes complete sense with where J.J. Abrams left us off last movie. And where I disagree with that, I don't think you needed to give him a huge failure. Failure. I agree with reluctant hero. I agree that, he, or I think he should. Uh, the realization that the Jedi way is not the right way, and his presence might be causing more harm in the universe than good, and so he would go off on his own. But having him, um, you know, become this joke, and that's where that's where the toss behind his his you know shoulder became uh that's that's the whole part of this movie this whole half of this movie is exactly here's your expectations haha <laughs> throwing it away um because you know we're trying to trick you and they do it in such a nonchalant way of almost a slap in the face not quite a slap in the face of course but it's just like a, it it didn't feel true to the character and 
I think Luke being a reluctant hero, Luke realizing having a greater understanding and going off on his own, completely fitting. But him becoming the get-off-my-lawn, crotchety old fart didn't feel right to me. He felt like a pathetic shell of the last Luke Skywalker I knew. And I understand you're going to have change over this many years, um, but it's... And finding out what happened with it didn't help. Learning his story to get there was even worse, honestly. Um, so, unfortunately, I think they just massively dropped the ball, and it all started with that toss. I think it would have been much more understanding and respectable for Luke to hand it back and say, like, that's not me. I'm not that person anymore. Anything like that. It was It was a short gag. It was absolutely for the gasp to throw it behind him, and I thought it set us off a, off a cliff with uh, Skywalker, who is my favorite Star Wars character of all time. Yeah. So we see Snoke for the first time in the flesh and he's giving Kylo Ren a hard time in the throne room for getting injured in the battle with Ray and Snoke calls him a child wearing a mask. And Kylo has one of his classic outbursts and he smashes his helmet to death. That was great. Now I hated that his mask was so cool. Now I know we're gonna get it back in the next yeah, one. Yeah, I know. But we'll get I, it I felt I felt terrible because like fuck, I'm not gonna see that awesome mask the rest of this movie. I prefer uh, him in a, in his mask for just yeah, how cool yeah. it looks and the sound that he makes when he's talking in it. Cool, cool voice. But I also yeah. do like watching him have his outbursts. They're a lot of fun. Sure. I agree. But I, I like the unhinged it. nature of Kylo Ren. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Me too. Yeah, I like it thematically just because Kylo Ren's character is gonna be like we're gonna see it later, but he's gonna be like kill the past, get rid of everything. He doesn't want to have anymore the, be the grandson of Darth Vader. He doesn't want to be the son of Han Solo. He doesn't want any of that shit. He just wants to, he wants it all out the window. So I like, this is the first step breaking the helmet is like, mm. I don't want to be Darth Vader anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I just, I just saw two words when he did that it was daddy issues. You know, I want acceptance from Snoke. Oh, he doesn't like me. <laughs> Fuck this thing. <laughs> and, and I agree with you, Adam. I, I, I think that that's a hundred percent correct, but I like seeing that because okay. that makes me, that makes me believe that he's a real character. He's a real person with emotions and everything because you know, he didn't just, he did it also like, in in the privacy of an elevator mm-hmm. too like he knew that he was having sure. a baby outburst you know what i mean yeah and, and, I, and, oh, yeah. and, and I like i like the moment of him in the next movie of him putting it back together and saying you know embracing the dark and so it, it's not that bad i just mostly is a cool mask and i didn't like that it was gone <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> For and, sure. I mean, yeah, and sure. also, like, just practicality of it being armor, it's armor, so, you know, it, it, it's helpful no matter what, yes. you know? And I think Adam Driver's kind of an ugly fuck, um, and also, <laughs> I always hated, when I look at Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford, I never once was like, that's the right casting for their child. <laughs> I gotta say, I saw Force Awakens in the theater probably five times. Every screening that I saw it, when he removed his helmet and his big poofy bouffant <laughs> hair kind of goes poof, Everyone laughed in the theater, every oh, single no. theater that I saw it. Oh, no. And I was like, ooh, Shit. I don't think that was the intention, JJ. Shit. Mm. He's growing on me. In our Star Wars warm-up episode that we did, he was one of my top five least liked characters. And uh-huh. spoiler alert, I think when we get there for our wrap-up, he won't be there anymore. So he he has okay. he has been, um, you know, he's turned around a little bit for me. Kylo's been one of my favorite characters 
not as a whole, but from the sequel trilogy, it's something I've asked a character I've actually really glommed onto. Uh, I'd like Adam driver personally, um, yeah, per- like a person as a person. I know him, you know, I mean, Adam to go way back. <laughs> it's a good guy. Yeah, but I, I like Adam driver. I think he's a fantastic actor. Um, but again, a lot of these things hit at the right moment. Force awakens came out when I was just, I was starting into a low point in my life. I had a lot of anger in me and Kylo Ren just, I mean, I really clicked with him really felt like what he was, you know, what he was raging at. You know, like I understood what he was raging at. I was raging, I too was raging at my parents and in life and just, you know, just angry at where I was at and everything. And again, and that's, it's a lot of personal stuff here. This movie, the sequel trilogies have a lot of personal reactions. Uh, I have a lot of personal reactions to them. But one of the things I do like in all three of them is Kylo Ren. I think he's a, he's a cool, cool character. And I like where the trajectory of where he goes. I like that his outburst with the helmet doesn't stop there. He immediately hops into his fighter because Snoke's ship has jumped out of hyperspace right beside the Resistance fleet. Mm -hmm. So Kylo launches his ship and he goes fucking bananas and destroys everything. I thought that was really, really cool. Dean, what did you think of this scene with Kylo just flying in and out of, of wherever, shooting and destroying anything that comes into sight? And then having the chance to blow up Leia, not doing it, but then Leia getting blown up anyways. Yeah, it's great. Uh, He's the one who flies like into the ship too, right? And he's like firing on the dock and everything. Yeah, Yeah. great. I love that. Um, And that's where like, yeah, even more, we got even more people like dying that we, maybe we even thought were going to be characters in the movie. You know, we kept seeing this one female pilot all the time and it was like, oh yeah, she's she's going to be in the movie. Boom, just exploded. I was like, oh wow, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I love him just going wild. You really think, you know, he just... He just came off killing his dad, trying to yell at someone that it that he's done it. You know, I'm I, I did it. I killed my dad. I didn't even have hesitation, and that guy's still ripping into him. So yeah, you think he's just gonna go and you know blow up Leia, but uh, can't do it. Can't pull the trigger. Still conflicted. Uh, so I like that. I think it adds uh, it adds a very nice beat to his character. Um, also to him and Leia, you know, you just felt like there'd be more between that, but obviously there can't be more, you know, in the next movie because. Um, Carrie Fisher died, but like, yeah, you, I just felt like there was going to be more to that, uh, later down the line. Um, but yeah, her still getting blown out still just unexpected after his thumb goes off the trigger, you know, you're like, okay, Mm -hmm. you know, she's going to live. Then the two, you know, the two fighters come in beside him, blow her up. She gets flying out. Um, I I just thought, yeah, I was, it's very exciting and I didn't, it kind of caught me at every kind of beat because I thought he was for sure going to pull it. Then I thought she was going to be fine. Then she goes flying out. And then she is fine. What did you think with like her using the force and us seeing that for the first time? Because I liked I, I like the force use. She very well could have died there, right? That wouldn't have been yeah, a shock yeah, if sure. she just died there. Um, but we don't know that she can use the force. We've never seen that really before out of her. So, like, what did you think of that moment? Well, we haven't seen. Yeah, so that's why I loved it, because we haven't seen it. We've just heard about it. We've just heard like, oh, yeah, your sister's also strong in the force. And it's like, well, I haven't seen any of that. All I see is this mental connection between her and Luke. So it's, it's rad. It's awesome that she gets to actually do something. She gets to do something like really powerful, you know, reach out. I think I think it all looks pretty good. You know, the reach out, her in space. Then it's the floating in that's kind of weird, right? You're just yeah. like, whoa, that's a that's a weird pull in like that. Yeah. Um, but I like the. I like the power that's shown because I haven't seen it before and I've just heard about it. So I like it. Yeah, I liked it, but I thought it looked weird. Yeah, it, looked it looks bad. a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they call it like, you know, the Mary Poppins, you know, kind of fly yeah. back or whatever. Yeah. yeah. For a reason. yeah. Um, yeah. I, I 
dislike it uh, because I'm a hater. Uh, no, honestly, because I think Leia is equal to Luke and all these other people. Now, they have talked about her with the Force and things like that, um, which I honestly, I don't need her as a Force user. I think Leia, Leia is one of the most powerful, strong female characters in you know, the movie world, and she doesn't need the Force to be as an equal to any of the male character Force users. She is so capable on her own, and her political wiles, and just, you know, her leadership skills, I don't think, hey, guess what? She has the Force too. I don't think that was needed, and honestly, I would have, I liked her without it, um, and I think she is a stronger character that she can stand side by side with these force users and is their equal without needing those powers is honestly the Leia I prefer. And again, I was looking for a satisfying death. And so I was ready to let go and I was robbed of that this entire movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I did think with well, the first viewing, I thought that when that, that explosion happened, cause yeah, we all go into last Jedi knowing that, that Carrie Fisher has passed away in real life. So I was like, Oh, this is it. This is when they're yeah. going to kill her. And I'm with you. I was ready to let go. That being said, I liked her using the force. I, I don't have any problem with her having that ability because she is a twin of Luke Skywalker. I think they're, they're both equal. Now I will say, I never thought about it, Adam. And I do like where you're coming from, where you're like, it kind of neuters her. So you're saying like, was she using the force when she was a diplomat too? Like, did she not know she was doing it? Like, does that kind of take any, well, does it take anything away from, from her already innate Mm. abilities politically or whatever? Uh, I'm not sure. Actually. I mean, I haven't thought about it, but then and there, I have no problem with her using the force. Cause I do me personally, I believe it makes sense that she would be equally as powerful as, as Luke, but just unrefined, not uh and, and so it would be subconscious almost because she doesn't use it. She's not something that she's, she's relying on regularly. And I think she was knocked out and the force just did its thing. I can't defend the Mary Poppins fly. I don't know how better to do it. And I get why her mobility looks limited. Like I get why she's doing it that way. It it does look silly. I will completely give it that. And in my saw in the theater, I was like, "Oh, this is neat. Oh, it's a little weird." <laughs> you know, yeah. like same thought, right? This is cool. Odd. Wait, a little odd. Yeah. In episode three, General Grievous gets blown out of like a, a ship, sort of like that, and his you know way back onto the ship looked really really cool they did it in a really good way so i think i think if they wanted to they could have done this leia thing better um i I wonder if maybe they were trying to pay a bit of respect to her that she had passed away almost trying to make this like feel like a bit like a death scene i I don't know i it it felt like a oh she's dead fooled you she's still alive and i'm with you adam i hate moments like that i I don't like being cheated out of my emotions when i start to feel Mm. something and then you're like just kidding time for another drink because fuck (laughs) this uh i am going to pour um because good old hayden christensen i'm drinking a basil hayden uh, because you know talked about daddy issues and grandpa issues um and a man who kind of came back a little bit into our hearts thanks to a decent performance in a mediocre show uh, I think he was very strong uh, as uh, returning as Anakin and Vader. So there loved we go. Him. For ba- loved him. Dean and I love that show. There's We don't think there's anything mediocre about it. Ew. Other than your review of it. <laughs> Jeez. 
<laughs> it is not a strong show, but you know. all right. Um, we meet Rose, who stops Finn from running away. Here, new character. Oh, can, can, hold on, for before we dive out of this, can we pour one out for Akbar? That man gets yeah. no fucking love. Yeah, he he got so unceremoniously wasted in in that uh, that yeah. scene. Yeah, after after all he's done, you know. Dude, I, fuck Holdo. It should have been Akbar. Hashtag should have been Akbar. That would have been cool. That would have actually been, cool. been really cool. That been I got cool. I got no hate for Haldo, but but that yeah. would have been give a lot him, more earned and deserved. Yeah. You know, let him go out like a champ at the end. Yeah, so that's a good call. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I'm on, I'm on the other end of this too because uh, I hate Akbar because I don't like fish. Yeah, <laughs> so I can't look at the guy. I can't look at his face. I can't look at his fucking fish face. I hate it. I hate oh, fish. Okay. So I was happy. Akbar's dead. Excellent. Calamari all around. Let's go. Oh no. Oh no. Okay, we meet Rose. She stops Finn from running away. Uh, I'm just going to go out and say I'm not a fan of their arc. I really enjoyed the idea of their objective, like what they were trying to do. I thought that was cool, like shut down this hyperspace tracking system. But I didn't like the amount of effort it took them to do it. And then the or, plan or didn't, to do didn't it. even work. <laughs> yeah, it didn't even work. So great. what was all this? It, it was it was Failure. garbage. I, as far as the movie goes, and as much as I do enjoy this film, the whole Rose and I don't have any problem with Marie like, Tran. Uh, I like Rose. Yeah, yeah. She's fine. Yeah, but like 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 but what they do with her and Finn is so pointless, especially when you get to the fact. That all of this, well, first off, they're like, oh, let's escape up, you know, they escape, they go to Canto Bite, which I hate, utterly hate Canto Bite. Awful With scene. no, Awful. all humans, no fucking aliens. First off, I gotta say, real quick, and this applies to the entire sequel trilogy, there's like no legacy aliens anywhere. There's no hammerheads, there's no fucking jo- you know, huts, there's no greedos, there's no rodians, not nothing, right? And Canto Bite has all these, you know, humans and aliens, but not a single legacy Alien, it blows my goddamn mind, and it it makes the sequel trilogy feel like it's disconnected mm-hmm. from the the previous six films. Uh, but but the fact is, on top of everything that you have, spoiler alert, you go there and they do all of this stuff, and I'm sure we'll talk about it. But it, it amounts to nothing. nothing, and we're talking, we're not talking five minutes of nothing. We're talking like 30, yeah. 35 minutes of a plot line that literally goes nowhere. It's only services them to get Finn in front of Phasma. That's the only yeah. point of this little story arc is to kind of redo the Phasma Finn fight that was supposed to happen in Force Awakens. Uh, the guy with the shield who says, Trainer, that was supposed to be Phasma, but they couldn't get her suit to work properly. Gwendolyn Christie didn't have enough like mobility to actually make the fight happen. So they put it in this movie, and it's also fucking pointless in well, this film. The, the big, big issue for me is it all comes down to coincidence they go to this casino planet and they have to find this perfect code breaker that maz cannot have set up for them and then oh they couldn't find him hey but this guy's good enough are you fucking kidding me they they could have found him anywhere else cut all those 30 minutes over and he was a prisoner you know from the resistance and they find him you know in the jail cells there or something anything else why did we waste all that time for nothing for utterly coincidence 
And if it was to show us another world, like, you know, a sci-fi world or whatever, I'll push back and say, you showed us the most boring Star Wars world <laughs> yeah. we've ever seen. Totally. And it's supposed to be exciting and, and all this kind of stuff. And it's and it's not. And uh, and then Maz Kanata, let's not forget about that. Her little cameo, like she was supposed to be like a big character in this trilogy. Yeah. And she just gets from this movie and the next one just does nothing. And you're like, what is she even doing? Why isn't she rebuilding the rubble of her of her uh, place? Because this is like two days after the, the last movie. Why is she dealing with some some kind of union support? Why? Because it would have been boring just to see her walking around the rubble of her place. But uh, guess what? It's also kind of boring just to see her flying around uh, shooting things. I yes. know they thought that that was going to be cool, and it wasn't. It wasn't at all. It, um, the second I saw Rose and Finn on a separate ship flying away from the one that was getting shot at. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. fuck, they can just leave any time? Why the hell aren't they shuttling people off this main ship all the time? Like, yeah, it really pissed, like, that, that entire thing just made me think, like, the plan of staying on this ship for as long as they have is ridiculous because the the uh, the First Order isn't caring that their people are flying on and off. What the Just fuck? Just eva- evacuate everybody to Canto Bight, and there's, yes! a new re- <laughs> there's a new rebel, your rebel hideout. Done. And let's not, I mean, we haven't even talked about the fact that the biggest, like, plot point of this movie is that the, the rebels, there's, like, five ships, they don't have enough fuel to kind of keep going, and the, the Star Destroyers are behind them, tra- trailing them. Why doesn't one Star Destroyer just light speed, like, in front of them, or below them, or around them, and if for some reason they can't catch up, it's, I get what you're trying to do. I understand it, and I got no problem with fuel in the Star Wars universe, but you're not on a, like, on water, right? There doesn't have to be this plane that you guys are on, like, an XY, you know, uh, an, you know plane. You can you can go all over. This is space. The, the Just the conceit. You know what it felt like? It felt like Battlestar Galactica. I think there was an episode of the new series. I, I love that show, by the way, where there was one where they were running out of fuel and the Cylons yep. were like yep, pestering true. them and everything and, yep. and whatnot. That's great episode. This felt a great, yes, yeah. a great episode of Battlestar Galactica. The one where they appeared every six minutes or something. They kept 33 um, seconds. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. yep. This felt like a ripoff of that and at a lesser like ability. Like it's a lesser ability. And it's just not something that at all is a part of like the star Wars lore or whatever. So that, that so right away, like the backbone of the plot of this film is already flimsy. And what I like the most about this movie is the things that it has to say. I don't like it's like the story setup stuff. I like the message that it's trying to impart and things like that, the bigger picture, but the minutia of it is hard to swallow. Dean, do some defending of the movie for us here. Well, whatever, I'm man. Crumbling, it's buddy. Dean, it's... save it, buddy. Save it. <laughs> it's okay. I'm not. I'm not here to change anyone's mind or anything. So it's. It's like because the things you're bringing up, it's just like, yeah, I kind of like that though. It's like I, want... I, I like the slow. <laughs> I like the slow chase. I think it's so fun. I think having half, like most of the movie, being this like super slow chase where they're just the same distance away from each other and just sh- launching these, just like lobbing these shots at this how, this how do main you lob ship. Shots in space. How does that? And work? it's just just <laughs> lobbing the shots, and it's just hitting. It's just hitting off the shield. I don't give a shit. I don't know 
funny. I don't know how it works. I love it. That's all I want to cut back there and just see that they're still, they're still just lobbing shots at them and they're still chasing them until that, you know, until that fuel runs out and you see some ships with the fuel go, you know, fall back, they run out of fuel and then they get shot. I think well, it's great. I love it. I just love the slow the... chase. Why do they even need the captains on those ships? Can't they put those on straight line autopilots <laughs> and the captain can get off? But no, there's always one poor bastard that's got to like hold the ship down as it explodes, you know? Yeah, I feel like there is no autopilot because that happens a lot in this one. Like yeah, every no. ship, every ship needs someone in it, needs someone yeah. in the cockpit. So yeah, I, I yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. But I, I will say though that the, 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 I agree with the Finn arc, you know, the Finn arc, uh, fell flat for me last movie, falls flat for me here. I think it, there's even more opportunity here than there was in the last movie because, um, like, he's he's a, a good guy in, you know, in the, in the Force Awakens, but now he's actually going to become a rebel. You know, he's going to actually learn what it's like to be a rebel in this movie and not just a guy who wants to do the right thing. And so he learns from Rose, like, what it means to be in a rebellion. So there's lots of opportunity there for him to bring up his past and bring up what it was like to be, you know, to grow up as a stormtrooper and, you know, just fully fill out that arc of his that is just so flat, um, which with such a good idea, such a good idea of a stormtrooper defecting, you know, and going to the rebellion. Uh, so that falls flat for me big time. Mm-hmm. Um, where I like Rose, I like I like what she's got to bring to the, the, the dynamic. I got I like what she brings to the story. And it's like he just doesn't get give anything back and real quick you know going back to finn being ex-stormtrooper he gets like knocked out and shit by the canto bite security pretty <laughs> easily i would like to see him f- do more fighting he he, yeah. he is an ex-stormtrooper it's almost as if they forget that every time they're writing finn if anything i would have loved to hear him just say oh man when when i was in training we heard about canto bite i always wanted to come here and see it you know something like that just maybe a reference to him being a stormtrooper at some point but at least being able to fight like a goddamn stormtrooper they keep going back to him being a janitor which i think is ridiculous um, because when we first see him, he's got a gun in hand. He's out on the field. And You're so right. I, I think that's kind of I think they're just playing. I don't know. It just felt weird. So I'm going to I'm going to push back on you, Corey, because I have a, the opposite beef with this movie and it doesn't happen till later. And actually the previous movie. Why is Finn fighting Kylo Ren? Why does Finn defeat Captain Phasma? He's a stormtrooper, right? Why is he fighting the leader of the First Order? Why is he beating like the captain of all the stormtroopers? Am I led to believe that all of the stormtroopers are as powerful as him? Why can he do this? Where did that come from? He needed to be force sensitive and they botched it. They didn't allow allow him. None of that makes any sense to me. And that's my belief. Yeah, the fact he was handling a um, uh, laser sword. (laughs) Yeah, lightsaber. (laughs) Don't get me started on uh, new people picking up lightsabers, Adam. I I am 100% with you because, exactly, I listened to that episode as well. It's ridiculous. (laughs) They completely shat the bed on these are elegant weapons that you have to be trained on. Then all of a sudden some fucking janitor can pick it up and stop uh, the, the, you know, the second right-hand man of the Sith basically as crap. Like he had to be force sensitive, have Ray train him or Luke train him or something. And they just completely shed it. Yeah. I think the original idea was to make Finn 
become a Jedi by the end of this trilogy. Um, that's what I've, I've heard multiple sources say that was sort of the tra- trajectory from Force Awakens and everything like that. But that's what he was supposed to be. And I think that would have answered a lot of stuff. But the fact that, yeah, he doesn't turn out to be that, um, or at least, you know, that's what they do in La- uh, you know Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I think that thus retroactively creates more problems than they should have just yeah leaned into him being more force sensitive you know yeah or they should have let him die by the end of this film is what i say because he keeps running he keeps running and then he finally again rose showed him the way to become a rebel and he is going to save everyone here and then oh nope saved your life out of nowhere physics are thrown out the window let's say that that. but yes sorry because i definitely (laughs) want to touch on that but let's let's get there first Yes, sorry. Um, I get, get a, a, no I worries. Crack another no. whiskey. I'm going <laughs> to no Sky, because of uh, Mr. Walker, Mr. Skywalker, going to drink Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker Black. I'm loving this. <laughs> Tim. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I just want to, I do want to comment on this whole CantoBite thing failing. Is that going to, should I do that now? Or are we moving on from that? Yeah. That, I'm never going to speak of CantoBite okay, again. That's so fine. this is your just, opportunity. Yeah. I just wanted to say that, like, it's another thing where, like, I'm what you say and what what everyone's saying that they don't like it makes sense to me. It's just I do like that. Like, I like that they spend half an hour on a Star Wars plan, which is just to get on board and turn a switch off. That's what we do in Star Wars. And it fails like that. It doesn't work every single time. And then the characters have to deal with that. They have to deal with, oh, it actually didn't work this time to do this wild thing, this wild plot and flip a switch off. I, I, I just I like it. I like it as part of this movie because what I like about the movie is all the characters failing and like having to figure out what it is to do after that. OK, so I do get that. But let me ask you. Uh, We're in the longest Star Wars movie of all the movies. It's two and a half hours. Very, very long. A lot of it has to do with this scene here. Like, could it have been done better, in your opinion? Could you do this scene? Could you go to another planet? Could you get all of this stuff done in a shorter amount of time and maybe with more interesting characters or or more interesting, I don't know, event happening? That's just a question. Yeah, I know it's going to sound really dumb, but I did say to my wife before... I came in for this podcast. Movie could have been longer. Oh, <laughs> fuck you. you. We could have added things into this movie to make it better. And that's because I wanted more out of Finn. Oh, and so I was like, where do you put it? You put, you give me more here. You give me more in the middle plot with Finn. So honestly, I'm not, I'm, I don't mind the time. It's super long, but uh, because I like the movie, I don't mind the time. So I, I, I'm never, I never feel a dragon in this section. I like this section and I could use, I could use more out of Finn. The original cut is about 45 minutes longer than this movie. Yeah. Great, I want to see Ryan Johnson. I do too. I do too, Teen. (laughs) I'd watch it. I'm curious to see what it what it's like. I don't think it would be better though. No, no. This this was. I was so bored by the end of this film. It was terribly long. Um, There was. I'm going to drop this in, and I'm sorry. This is going to be maybe a little too crass, but it was a fun moment, and it actually made the movie better for me. Um, So it was during. uh, (laughs) Fucking. uh, I don't even remember Casino World is all I call it because I can't stand it. That works. I hated it so much, and my wife was sitting next to me. She abhors Star Wars. She just not her thing at all. And so she saw that I was not happy. And so we, <laughs> I was like, God, I have to watch this fucking movie for these guys. I love these guys, but I hate this fucking movie. And she turns to me. She says, well, do you want to fuck? 
And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. So I just kept the movie running, and we had a good time during wow. Canto Bite. And then literally wow. after that was done, I I was a little, I was feeling a little bit better. So I'm not gonna lie, you were enjoying the movie. <laughs> the movie, yeah. movie could have been longer. All movies should be that long. Yeah, yeah it really helped. But like. If it wasn't for her, I would be in a much worse mood than I am now. <laughs> well, shout out to your wife for uh, shout out to <laughs> helping you get through this movie. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about the uh, force connection. Adam, you're cut off, by the way. No more, no more bottle. No more bottle. <laughs> I got two more bottles. <laughs> oh, okay, all right, fine. We'll let it happen. We'll let it happen. I want to talk about this force connection with Kylo and Ray that they have in this movie. Adam, what did you think of this connection? All right, I'm not opposed to force connections being a thing, um, but it felt like it came out of nowhere. And Snoke mentioning, ha-ha, I created this thing to try and lure you in. It, it, it just didn't, I don't know, it didn't feel like a strong enough reason. And then, of course, because as I mentioned, I watched the next movie and you guys will talk about it. And then be like, ha-ha, it's because of this other thing. And you're this whole other explanation that we've never seen before. Um it, it's, but I'm trying to stick it to just this movie, and I didn't care for it because honestly, the relationships in this movie were all over the place, and that's really where it comes down to me. I don't dislike them having a connection with the Force, but it needed to be better explained, or there needed to be some more of a thing, and the next movie doesn't do it for me. But like at one point, it's like okay. Finn and Ray are a thing. And then, wait, are Finn and Poe are a thing? And then, oh, wait, is it Ray and uh, uh, Ren yeah. are a thing? Yeah. And then all this, like, what the fuck is happening with these relationships? I'm all over the place, and it, it just got really confusing. And that's why, ultimately, I didn't care for that. But I'm not opposed to the idea, if that makes sense. I think this would be a very different discussion if we had it before Rise of Skywalker came out. Yes. Show yeah. it in force. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's an interesting idea. Um, I think the fact that Snoke says he was the one that created it, I think that's just him trying to take um, credit for what had happened. I don't actually think he was the one who did it. Mm. Um, I, I read up a little bit about this Force connection, and uh, the article had a really good point going back to The Force Awakens. When Rey touches Luke's lightsaber, and she gets all these flashbacks, or not flashbacks, but visions of... She sees Luke, she sees Kylo, she sees the, the Knights of Ren. What this article was saying was that everything except Kylo was sort of like passive, like she was just watching them do something. But Kylo took notice and was like almost noticed her noticing him in that moment. Mm -hmm. So uh, the, the theory is that that connection could have started there. Um, and I also sort of think that they threw it in here to allow them to do what they did with Luke a little bit later in the movie um, to kind of make that make a bit more sense for us so that we're not so shocked at this end sequence when Luke does what he does. I think they soften the blow a little bit by having this connection in the movie. I wasn't thrilled with it. I didn't think it was great, but it's fine. They were sort of introducing something new. And again, you get more of it in the rise of Skywalker, but they were introducing something new. Yeah, and I like seeing new force abilities. I always think that's pretty cool. And I don't need explanations for force stuff. You know, for yeah, me, it's it's totally. all just space magic, anyways. You yeah. know, so it's fine. I I like this the the force connection. 
I don't really particularly care if Snoke did it, if they did it. I like it for what it is. It allows Rey and Kylo to kind of have a have a moment, have a connection where, you know, it, they're not immediately fighting with each other so they can actually communicate. It, it creates a, a scenario where they can talk without having to fight. And I like that because as far as themes go, I like movies like, uh, you know, John Woo's The Killer and stuff like that. I like movies where... Two people from the opposite end of things, you know, a cop and a robber. I like it when they're put into a situation where they can't be against each other and, you know, either have to work together or just enable to communicate and build some kind of a relationship together. So I thought that was cool to have them do it. And I thought Brian Johnson did a fine job, like sort of showing it and all that kind of stuff. Now, we did get, you know, some some visual cute gags like the uh that steamer coming down that we thought was a ship and it was like a, a steamer that was cringe that that yeah. that was not star wars to me you know but i think a lot of his humor he, he handled well but that was one of the bad ones i only bring it up because i think it happened around one of the the force timing things you know mm-hmm. so I, I always notice and i'm always like that was clever the literally the first time i saw it but it's never been clever since yeah i i, I like the uh i like the connection um, because I like, I think it's exactly what Corey's saying. I like when you're like your hero and your villain have to meet halfway through the movie and just talk for some reason. And usually there has to be a way out of that, you know? And so they have to fight or something has to happen. But in like, in this story, they're going to be so far away from each other. How could they meet and then just separate again, you know, without, without something major happening. So I like that they are able to have this connection by just, you know, having, having them be in their own place and being able to talk it out. Because I think that's a, I think that's an important thing in action movies, just them talking it out before they go like finally face to face. It's like Al Pacino and uh, Robert De Niro in Heat. Exactly. Yeah. Great scene. Amazing scene. So Luke says he'll train Ray and he has three lessons for her and he starts training her. We only see two. Yeah, I'll get there. Hold on. <laughs> Settle down, Corey. I, I'm now Adam. I have taken over Adam's role. <laughs> <laughs> um, he starts training her in how not to be a Jedi. And I thought this was all really dumb, but that might have been the point, uh, you know, to help build Luke as being the lost Jedi. Or as Corey, you mentioned earlier, maybe he's just testing her. But um, I thought this was all really dumb. Lesson one, he tells her the Jedi don't own the Force. It's for everyone. I think that's fine. But if you start to teach everyone the Force, you'll have a lot of people using it for evil. So is that really the answer? Just teach everyone the Force? Lesson two, he tells her that the Jedi Order was a failure. Uh, Which is, that's fine. That's one way to look at it. Um, But how many innocent lives do you think the Jedi saved over the years? Uh, Do you think those people would consider the Jedi a failure? Probably not. Then lesson three, as Corey alludes to, they don't even give it to us. You have to go to the deleted scenes to watch it. And I just think that's a real failure in the movie to set up that there's three lessons and then just give us two and just forget about the third and think that we won't notice or care and just move on without saying anything. Why, why didn't they at least ADR him to say from three to two? Yeah. You know what I mean? Just mm-hmm. have him ADR it, you know? It, it boils down to sloppy filmmaking, which I think this movie has a lot of sloppy things in it. 
I think there's a lot of good things in this movie, but I think there's a lot of things that just don't make sense. This was one of them, and I really didn't care for it. And if you actually go to the deleted scenes and watch this third lesson, I think it totally fits in this movie. It should have been in here, and it it wraps up the lessons really, really well. And it really makes sense why Ray takes off, you know, um, shortly after this. I think it really helps us believe that she doesn't care to be there. And they cut it out in a movie that has like 30 minutes on Canto Bite. They couldn't add this one and a half minute third lesson. Fuck off. Now, I will I will throw out that I do love the fact that he calls out Sidious, Darth Sidious, by name. He calls him Sidious. And he's like, what do you think I'm going to do? Just stroll out with my laser sword? That, guys and gals, is, is straight up homage to George Lucas. He never calls lightsabers lightsabers. He always calls them laser swords. And I'm like, that was that's old school right there. I was like, fuck yeah, that was cool. Now, his, his lessons... I liked his lessons. I like what he was trying to say. I think from his point of view, they are accurate to him. Um, but especially the first one, I think, yeah, the the Jedi don't own the Force. I don't think that I I, I don't know if you sh- what the answer is, but I also don't think that the answer is what the Jedi's did, which was also steal little kids and and train them to be Jedi's <laughs> and all this kind of stuff. I don't think that they did it correct either. I just don't know what the right answer is. Maybe allowing people to to choose if they want to, you know, join or not or or whatever. But I don't I don't think they should have had a monopoly on it. Agree. Oh, yeah, exactly. The, the Jedi going back, you know, thinking the Jedi in the prequel eras, they did think exactly that they owned the Force and they were a terrible cult um, that you had to follow their exact ways, and it was that or nothing. Like there was. 100 is one way or the other way. And I'm kind of like the I'm a lover of the gray Jedi mentality of that's the balance. That is, you know, what we should be working towards. And and Luke, you know, was kind of, you know, alluding to that and realizing that the Jedi doesn't have the right thing. And so I I like that he is pushing against the Jedi here for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I I like the rules because to me, they're the. It's like kind of the first acknowledgement that brings the prequels into this sequel mm-hmm. trilogy. Uh, it's the first thing that like ties it back all the way there because of what happened. That's why that's why he doesn't want to have the monopoly on the force. That's why um, he thinks that the Jedi's are, you know, are failures um, and not needed. And it's because of it way back there. So I like that it brings prequels into the entire thing. It kind of wraps the whole thing together. And if he do- and if the Jedi's don't have a monopoly on the Force, that also takes away some of the responsibility from Luke Skywalker. Like, keep in mind, yes, he's a Jedi Master, yet he's, he's a character we all love, but he's still supposed to be a human being. And I think right now in his life, he's so hurt by what happened and by his own failures. I don't think he's seen clearly, but I also think what he's saying is true to his point of view. I think Luke is a bit of a narcissist. Like, to... Um, consider that he had this gigantic failure just because he had like a small lapse of judgment. Um, I would have bought into it more if he actually tried to kill Kylo and Kylo escaped. But for him to say like, oh, I had this moment of weakness where I considered killing Kylo, but I didn't. And that's what he's regretting so much is just a thought. Well, Come on, dude, like, get over yourself. Yeah, they, yeah, but that thought ignited his lightsaber, like, and, and Kylo saw that, so... No, I know that, but, uh, like, that's that's not... that He didn't actually do anything wrong. He thought about doing something, and then he's holding himself, like, 
he's beating himself up so much for just a simple thought. And I don't, I just didn't think that, that didn't work for me personally. I need more than I, that. Like again, I, but, go ahead. I, I think that that perfectly plays in with who he is. He destroyed the no. Death Star in A New no, Hope no. by himself. He comes back. Everyone's like, holy shit, you're a hero, yada, yada, yada. Then Empire Strikes Back, yes, he 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 has a, a falter, but then he comes back and he destroys the Empire and everything. He is the, I am the greatest. I am the greatest. Of course he's a narcissist. Yeah. Of course he is. <laughs> it all went, and of it course, went to his head. And, and of course something this big, so. and of course something this big would destroy him. Because but, not only did he let you know he let Han and Leia down, he let down his master, he let down everybody when he let down Kylo Ren. I don't know. I, I think there is a um, there there's a hope in Luke that obviously is gone now or that kind of thing. But I I just I felt it was against his character. The same person who we saw who never gave up on his father, who eventually turned yeah. his father Darth Vader to the light, couldn't think that he could help Kylo Ren couldn't help Ben to become to the light. And so he had to switch to the dark side for half a second, as much as that was that didn't, to me, that's, that didn't feel like Luke. I, I think it, I think it was a little bit forced to, to, to go that route. I know Mark Hamill was completely against going this direction. He said, as soon as he read the script, he said, I completely disagree with everything you're doing with this character. And then as a professional, I'll do whatever you want me to do, but this is not the right path to go. And yeah, but I, I, but Tim, he, he did come out and say after though, after he saw the movie, he, he regretted saying those things. Uh, he, regretted, he just said he had he back said, and forth. He had back and forth with Ryan Johnson because of the ideas that were going on. He didn't think he wanted to go that way. But when he saw the entire thing as a package, he said, no, 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 never mind. I don't know if it was after the movie. I did hear that he said he regretted saying those things. I don't know if he regretted them because he lit up Ryan Johnson in the moment. Maybe he regretted the way he said them, but I, I you should don't know. You should read what he, you should read what he said, because it, it, it is just very much him saying, I hadn't seen the movie. It's just this, when we go scene by scene, it didn't think, I didn't think it was going to work. But when I saw uh, the movie together. I think Disney gave him a potential check and said, if you don't recant your stuff, uh, then, uh, <laughs> then he talks about that too. Check. He talks about that too in the tweet. <laughs> read it. All right. He says, I've never said anything Disney, Disney told me to say. <laughs> And I just want to say that he does mention that, you know, when Kylo does his thing and destroys the place, you know, he leaves with some of his students, but other students die. So I think that the thing that that implosion of the Jedi Academy that Luke was starting was a bigger thing than we saw on screen with him just coming out of the rubble or something like that. I think I think a lot of horrible crap happened in that night. You know what I mean? The it's stuff that oh, Luke for sure. is also yeah. keeping in his his heart, you know, not just the Kylo Ren thing. I think, you know, you don't know what if his his other second favorite student might have been killed, you know, by Kylo Ren that night. You know, we don't know, but he's holding all of that pain and suffering in his heart, and he's taking blame for all of it. And I totally understand where he's coming from in that point of view. Yeah, so I guess you have to expand your opinion on what he what he's regretting, right? Um, if it's the moment of weakness where he lit his lightsaber on Kylo, that doesn't work for me. If it's everything that happened, if it was losing Kylo to Snoke, if it was everything that happened at his school, I think that does work. But um, we're here talking and debating about it because the movie didn't even really let us know what it was. There's just too many vague things happening. Um, Corey, they do say in the movie that Kylo 
he took a few of the students with him and then he killed the rest. So yeah. like, Luke lost everything in that moment. Yeah. So those students should have been the Knights of Ren, which would have been great to watch in this film. Oh, I was God. so happy they were here. Oh, oh wait, the, yeah, the, no, they weren't. The Knights of Ren. What a the biggest freaking nothing, nothing yeah. thing in the entire freaking world. Yeah, you, I can't wait to hear your all's thoughts on that in uh, yes. the Rise of Skywalker the, episode. Yeah, next. the Knights of Ren were supposed to be the Red Boys in this uh, in this movie, which would have made a lot more sense, and it would have made a lot more sense with Kylo's mm. decision in that moment. Yeah, yeah. Now. Luke and Ray end up fighting, which I thought was a really nice touch in this movie. He freaks out when he uh, sees her connecting with Kylo. He obviously doesn't approve of that. They have a fight. And then Yoda shows up as Luke is on his way to burn the Jedi text. And thank goodness they gave us Puppet Yoda instead yeah. of that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> massive props. CG All the Yoda. props to Puppet Yoda. Massive, and massive I, props. And I love how... I love how Yoda calls him young Master Skywalker when he when Luke looks so old, but to to, to Yoda, he's still young. And I <laughs> yeah, love awesome. that little moment. <laughs> In one moment where Yoda gives this little classic Yoda giggle. Yeah. He, that yeah. that that five second moment did more for me than all of him in the prequel trilogy. Now, I will say, when, when Luke's like, no, not the sacred text, because Luke was going to go burn them, but decided yes. not to, then Yoda destroys them with lightning, which is a fun little callback to Rebels, because remember, the Bindu could call down lightning in uh, in Rebels. I love the Bindu, yeah. by the way. Yeah, that's a cool um, character. He's but one it, of my... It, it, he's what, it caused what, more problems for me than not. It's just like, wow, I really wish you could have come down and like shot that lightning at some of the you know First Order. That would have been uh, helpful. Of, 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 of course. <laughs> but I will say that as far as dialogue goes... I hated Yoda saying page turners were they? You oh, know when yeah. he's talking about yeah. the. I was like, come on, yeah. It's just you, you can't insert that current of dialogue in Star Wars. I don't think it works like that, you know. And I think that was a that was a problem I had with the Yoda scene. That one piece of dialogue. What you drinking now, Adam? I, I just popped Rebel One Hundred for all <laughs> the Rebel scum. All the Rebel scum in this film. Uh, Corey, Corey, just to, yeah to talk about that dialogue. The thing is, I really like the line that happens before that, and he said read them have you like i yeah, thought that that yeah. was funny that was a funny like was stinker funny. yoda just like oh yeah read them have you read those texts yeah, yeah and then he says page turners they are not or yeah whatever it is that that yeah i didn't like that line i didn't like that following up read them have you i thought it should just stop there. Just, like just yeah end it right there it was a good that's great line. the joke right there's yeah. the joke you, you got the joke up, yeah and luke could have given like a little shrug you know yeah. what i mean yeah i thought it was yeah. so funny I liked Yoda's line after that. Um, after, he's giving Luke this pep talk, and he lets him know that the greatest thing you can learn is failure. So he's trying to still teach Luke, right, that failure is a part yeah. of life. But Yoda says, we are what they grow beyond. That is the true burden of all masters. I think that's a really beautiful line in this movie. Yeah. Um, and a, a great way of explaining to Luke kind of what's going on, you know, like your students are going to get past you and you have to deal with that. You can't always be the master because what happens if you're always the master, then there won't be a younger generation of masters because you're always going to be the master. You have to make way for the younger generation, let them take over and continue the cycle. And I think that that's what, 
this is a microcosm of what I do like about this movie. I think of the the, the sequel trilogy, this is the the one that's really trying to do what Star Wars is supposed to do, which is push forward lessons, right? And the lesson here is that Luke is supposed to embrace his failures as much as he embraces his success and that the failures are just as important as the successes are. And Star Wars is at its best when it's when it's laying these life lessons down for kids or adults or whomever hears them and 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 it does it in sort of an organic way and everything but it imparts these lessons and i think you know rise of skywalker gets so caught up in retconning and and just the like the blo- bloatedness of this sequel trilogy that it forgets to impart lessons and also you know force awakens it's so sort of they were so trying to just recapture star wars i just don't feel like it, it imparted a lot of lessons this is the only one of the sequel trilogies that's really trying to say something and i just want to use this that piece of yoda dialogue as an example to back up my point when i probably bring it up again later yeah this is this yoda is telling luke not to be this narcissist you know luke has is so against uh you know the jedi order because of what he learned through it that you know he is this great you know he's a jedi so he's better than everyone else so then he started up this school and then everyone there died so he's just like oh you know, it was all me. It was all my fault. You know, kids died, which is obviously a, a huge, you know, it's going to be bare on his shoulders. But then that's why he just like tosses it aside. And I think that's where Yoda comes in to say like, yeah, like you you have to take your failures and learn from your failures instead of running away from the world when you fail. Um, and yeah, I think I think it's awesome. Now, the only thing I would probably push back is you kind of wish maybe if this is the lesson then that Luke at some point would be saying these words to Ray, showing that he learned them, and now he's imparting this wisdom onto Ray. Now, so Yoda imparts it onto to Luke, but Luke doesn't unfortunately get a chance to impart these words of wisdom onto Ray, which is almost weird because this is not Luke's movie. It doesn't matter if Luke learns or not, although we want to see him learn. I just wish I just wish he came to this realization without being told it, you know. Mm-hmm. I think the movie's letting us know that Ray doesn't need what Luke has to offer. Um they're moving they're moving beyond that. I think they're leaving they're not just leaving well, She's a Palpatine. The, yeah. <laughs> they're not just leaving. Hey, how do you know that? We don't not know yet. that yet. We don't not know yet, that yet, sir. They're, <laughs> she they're not, not she's from no one. She's not just leaving like the Jedi order behind, but she's leaving her idol Luke Skywalker behind. She is becoming her own yeah. thing. I think that's a theme in the movie. Um, but I did like that Yoda showed up here. Um, I thought it was a great moment just, you know, to settle everything down. Yoda's, you know, he's like our our calm master who who's always speaking, you know, wisdom. Um I would, you know, I would say that this is one of the things that is not a failure of the Jedi. It's this ability uh, for these characters to go on after life and continue to help each other and show up uh, in these moments where, you know, the others need each other. Like Luke, the, the thing Luke needed most in this moment was Yoda to show up and give him words of wisdom. And that's what happens. And that seems to be what happens with these force ghosts of the Jedi is they can show up when, you know, your character is kind of being drugged through the mud and they can help you back up. So uh loved it loved yoda in this movie tim can i ask you what did you think of the uh the the force cave in in this one versus the dagobah for force cave 
I thought it was cool, but it didn't really do much for me because it didn't answer any questions. It could have been left out and this movie continues mm -hmm. on just as normal. I would have liked more out of it. Um, but I thought it was neat. I liked, I do like how Ray sort of jumps head first into anything dark side. She's not afraid. Uh, she's not afraid of it. And, you know, when she was, when Luke was doing that, his lesson one, he's like, breathe and just sense the force and feel things. And she senses it and feels things. And then she heads right to the darkness and he's like, oh, you didn't even stop. You didn't even hesitate. Yeah, she's learning both sides. She's not going to stop heading towards the light. She's not going to stop heading towards the dark. She's looking for answers. So I like that she went there, but um, I was just confused when the scene was over, when she saw her own reflection. Uh, I didn't understand it, but I think it's like, I think it's symbolism to the greater picture of this movie, just saying the things that she's looking for, she doesn't need, you know, she's looking for who her parents are. She wants to know, she needs to know who they are. But I think what the, what that cave was telling her is none of that matters. Don't worry about it. All that matters is you just continue on with your journey. Yeah. It's, it's just they... like the cave on Dagobah where his face, Luke's face is in Darth mm -hmm. Vader's helmet. It's, you know, you, you think you're fighting Darth Vader and you cut off his head, but you really just have to worry about yourself. Like you need to figure out yourself before you can face that guy. And I think it's the same thing. She's looking for answers on her parents and then it's just her, you know, it's, you don't need those answers. You need to figure out yourself before. And if Rise of Skywalker didn't retcon what they say here, Yep. I think the cave would have made more sense in that she is a nobody. She just comes, yeah. you know, from from nobody. Um, Tim, were you going to bring that? It's a great thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Tim, were you going to bring that up later or can we talk about it now? You can talk about it now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kylo, men Kylo mentions later that, he, you know, she's nobody. Her parents are nobodies. So one of the things I loved about this movie when I saw it in every in every single time up until for, uh, Rise of Skywalker is that she was a nobody. I always wanted her to be a nobody. Uh, Tim, I think you can probably back me up a little bit on this. Growing up in the 80s, like my understanding of Star Wars back before all the the you know the extended universe stuff and everything was that anyone could be a Jedi. Yeah, Luke Skywalker could, would probably always be better than most of us, you know, but watching the original trilogies and sort of what we were told as kids, I grew up in the 80s just believing that we all had that in us. We could all be a Jedi if we trained hard enough and, and did it, and there was no stipulation to who could be a Jedi or who couldn't be. There was no midi-chlorians or anything like that, and I thought in this movie, making Rey a nobody brought it back to its truest sense of, of Star Wars and that anyone could be a Jedi. And I loved that. And I hated that they retconned that in Rise of Skywalker. As much as I love Palpatine, I still like Rey being from nobody and thus any one of us, any kid. And that's the whole point. You give kids hope. Any one of these kids, you know, watching this movie could be <laughs> Broom Boy. You know what I mean? It's, that's that's <laughs> my takeaway. Shout out to Broom yeah. Boy. Yeah, I, uh, I, I or sorry, go, go ahead. Go ahead. No, uh, you go ahead, Adam. Oh, sorry. I I feel like you know we're taking over, and I apologize for that. But um, I uh, it, it I like and I don't like because I never got the same vibes that you did, Corey. That anybody could have the force from watching the original trilogy. It felt like only special people. It felt like you had to be special to to be a Jedi, et cetera, et cetera. Um, 
And so I like that this felt different. I like that this did try to bring in the idea of, oh, anybody can be like that. But at the same time, by the same time, by the end of this film, I just didn't give a fuck. And I just didn't <laughs> care about the stories because they didn't, they didn't, um, it didn't entice me enough. I also, every time Ray brought up her parents, I was just like, shut up. I don't give a fuck about your parents anymore. You keep talking about them. I don't care. I hope they're dead. Like that just, it didn't give me um, what I wanted, I guess, maybe fast enough or didn't give it to me well enough. And so by the time they were trying to force feed me, it was hand fed. Anybody can do the force. You're special too. And you're special and you're special. And Oprah fucking everybody's special that I was just like, well, this is stupid. And uh, that was my, my thought. Well, Corey, I do agree with you. I kind of did have that feeling back in the day that anybody could be a Jedi because Luke came from nothing. Mm. So I think that sort of did give me that feeling. Um, okay. Adam, the whole Ray and her parents thing, I think that was, uh, you know, I'll go back to us talking about Leia and that moment that we're given where we think she's going to die and she's not going to die. I felt like that was another moment with Ray where they were really building up to her parents being something really big in this movie. And then they don't give it to you to you. They're like, Oh, ha ha. Just kidding. Her parents are nobody. And you're left kind of feeling, feeling like, well, what the fuck? Why did you spend all that time le leading us up to this and to have it be nothing? So in the context of this movie, you know, that didn't work for me. I didn't, I didn't like that, but you know, obviously, well, you know, Dean and I mentioned this in the force awakens episode, these, this trilogy really felt like it didn't just feel like it, but this is what they did is that they released the force awakens. They, um, took back feedback from what everybody thought, what were everybody's complaints. Then they made, and they wrote and made the last Jedi. They took everybody's, you know, what, what does the audience think of this one? What are their complaints? Then they, pivot and then they do the rise of Skywalker. And this wasn't a trilogy that was thought out ahead of time. This was a trilogy that was built movie by movie, which is a terrible way to do it. And if you do it that way, you get all sorts of holes, you get all sorts of inconsistencies. And that's what happened here. So I think if they had a plan right off the bat of really how to handle Ray, if you don't want her parents to be anybody and, and you want her to eventually be Palpatine's uh, child, you know what? Give us Dark Ray in the final the final movie. Then make her turn. Oh, yeah. Give us that. Like that's what makes sense. Um, so I don't know. It's just it's a it's a bit of a mess. I think at the beginning of this entire series, I think the original trajectory was that she was going to go bad and Finn was going to go good. Like be a Jedi, and they were going to cool. have to go head to head, and he was going to have to bring her back. Yada yada yada. And I think they were going to make Kylo to be more like the bigger bad and kind of like almost like an emperor. Because I know that they wanted to make Vader the emperor, meaning like in this sequel trilogy, they wanted the, there not to be two separate bad guys. And so I think Snoke was always going to sort of not really sort of be a red herring. You know, I think they were always going to set up Kylo to be the big bad in the end, which ironically it spins around and he's not. I think the biggest problem with all of these sequel trilogy movies is they are a reaction to the movie prior to it and it's all yeah. retconning i mean freaking mm -hmm. rise of skywalker's like 80 percent retconning of this movie right here just yeah. go fuck yourself jj abrams <laughs> so we get to my favorite scene in the movie which is yeah. where kylo brings ray to snoke and snoke wants ray to give up luke but she refuses dean uh what's your take on this sequence in the throne room here 
Throne Room's great. Love the Red Boys. Is it your favorite um, so, scene in the movie, like me? Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. it's my favorite scene in the movie. It's uh, one of my favorite lightsaber battles. Uh, I think it's yeah. awesome. It's awesome to finally see, like, dudes hanging out in the background and then, like, seeing that they kick ass, you know, that they're not just hanging out, that they're actually awesome. Uh, they have some cool weapons. Uh, I love the, you know, the sword that turns into, like, chain sword or whatever. Uh, love that <laughs> thing. Um, yeah, I, I like the fight. I think it's great. I think the... I really like the choice. I really like that they, I like that Ray thinks that, you know, Kylo Ren is turning here, but he's not. He just, he, he is done with the pressure. He's done with like, he's done with being, you know, the son of someone or the grandson of someone. He's like, fuck it all. No more good and evil. No more rebel and, uh, you know, empire or first order. None of that shit. He's like, I'm me. I'm my own person. I'm going to rule the galaxy. Like, just throw it all aside. I don't have to be part of something, um, which is, I think, yeah, definitely a uh, a comment on the movie of what they did in, uh, you know, Force Awakens, where, yeah, everybody has to be somebody. Everyone has to be the descendant of someone, which I think is where, you know, Ray comes from in this in this scene. It's just like, no, not everybody has to be somebody like stop caring about that and uh you know she it, it could just be that the force got so dark that it had to get light so it got light somewhere and it just got light right. in a random place it doesn't the force isn't looking for someone to be like oh where's the next skywalker where's the next you know palpatine it's just it got light somewhere um and so i, I like that whole idea so this scene i just kind of it kind of rules for me i love it yeah, that's a good point. The, I mean, it looks beautiful. It's one of the, oh yeah, one of the best looking scenes in the movie. Uh, it was all practical. It was a practical set. They built all of that. It was. Cool. I, I mean, it looks CG to me. Everything's so so shiny and so beautiful, but it wasn't. Um, I like that you get a bit of display of Snoke's power. Um, at this part, you know, he he, he appears to be very powerful in the Force. I like that he's trying to do the same manipulation that. Palpatine was doing by showing Ray that her friends are in danger and they're going to be killed unless she turns, but she won't. And with I, this giant magnifying glass, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's huge. Mm-hmm. And I do like how Kylo was able to kill Snoke here because Snoke says that he can feel Kylo's every intent. So it would be utterly impossible for Kylo to turn on Snoke without without Snoke knowing it. But in this moment with Snoke narrating how Kylo is about to kill Rey, um, Kylo is like mimicking all of what he's saying, but he's going to be killing Snoke instead of Rey. So he's able to hide his intentions because it looks like he's going to kill Rey. That's how he can turn the lightsaber towards Snoke. That's how he can ignite it. Snoke knows he's going to turn the lightsaber. He knows he's going to ignite it, but he thinks it's going to be against Rey. So this is like utterly the only moment that Kylo would have to kill Snoke. And he pulls it off so beautifully just because of that moment. So uh, I thought yeah. that was I thought that was a really nice touch in the movie, how they pulled that off. Yeah, yeah. this is a very enjoyable scene. I agree. This is uh, probably the best scene of the film um, after the Imperial Guards, you know, in the original trilogy, we didn't see them being badass at all. We finally get to see Red Boys doing some cool stuff. Um, I will comment on the editing. Uh, there is a point where they cut away and they literally are just cutting to Finn being mad at the thief. Um, and it's just like, why did you cut to this fucking scene? You took me away from this. And then they cut back to it and they're get it, get it going. And it's just like, why? What was the point of that? And so I think editing wise, they'll sometimes try to squeeze in these scenes that do nothing, mean nothing, 
just to try and remind us, hey, there's this other thing happening. Like, but I don't care about that. I want to see the badassery. Um, so that editing little choice right there, I, I thought. Think, was I think a they problem. try to build tension at times when it's not necessary. Like we're already sure. tense, we're already in it. You don't need yes. to cut away to something else that's happening. And they've, they, I've noticed, especially, yeah, in this film and in the next one, they just do it too many times where I'm like, just stick on the scene. I want it to breathe. I yeah. want to feel with it for a while. And you you keep going somewhere else. Um, but yeah, I, and I remember watching this part in the theater, just like jaw dropping, like, oh, fuck, yeah, this is awesome. So, yeah, yeah, this yeah. is one of my favorite scenes in the, this movie, of course, uh, one of my favorite looking scenes in all of the Star Wars saga, um, and one of my favorite lightsaber battles in the entire saga. I absolutely adore this scene. I think it's, you know, not perfectly made. Uh, there's a couple weird wonky shots here and there. So I think there's one shot where a guy has a has a has one of his axes and then he doesn't in the next, like, shot. It doesn't matter. It's still a fantastic time and i think that the way snoke gets killed here every single time i'm on the edge of my seat every time i watch it i just think all of that is masterfully crafted and i think it's fun i think it's a fun fun scene and also i gotta throw out i also like the way ray looks in this movie i like her outfit or all of her outfits i think the the costume design for her in this one is really tight yeah ray looks great i love her fighting in this scene she taps into her rage so well. She's screaming with emotion as she's fighting. Like she is tapping into the dark side as as she's going in this throne room. I think it's great. I, I really like the the way which, she fights. Which what I want to put, man, if you guys have that storyline of Kylo kills Snoke, he becomes the main bad, he turns uh, he turns Ray, and then Finn has to become like the main light guy, and then he turns Ray back, and they both kill um kylo be cool fuck better movie better trilogy yeah yeah no i think i think that would if that's what the original trajectory was um i wish jj abrams was the showrunner for all three movies if not director you know what i mean for Mm -hmm. the second one uh i still think this movie could have just been a side story and not actual like episode yada 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 but yeah it's it's yeah yeah I'm, i'm with you adam now, great moment from Admiral Holdo, where she goes down with the ship by flying it right into the First Order ship at light speed. And this was one of the most visually stunning scenes in this entire trilogy. I, I thought that was just a really cool idea to do it this way. I love that they cut to silence as, as the like her ship's cutting through the other one. It's short, but it is oh so sweet. But the problem is, is now you go back and you think retroactively and boy, oh boy, why didn't you just make like like ship size rockets with light speed with like a droid that that powers them? That is the most powerful weapon now in the universe. You take one ship and you just shoot it light speed through something. You will destroy whatever you're doing. They could have done that to the the Death Star. You know what I mean? It's like it was cool. But it might have been OP, you know what I mean? Might have been a little bit overpowered to the point where you're like, why didn't you guys just fight all wars that way to begin with? Well, Corey, you're bringing logic into the conversation, and that's actually a different franchise. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we you're know, especially right. Tim, or especially Dean, does not deal in logic. He just goes with the flow. <laughs> I don't care about that shit. Yeah, it looked awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, it did. It, it was it was visually and. Uh, auditorily stunning yeah. in the theater without question. 
my issue at this point is kind of what I've already mentioned. I think Holdo is a terrible leader. Um, it is established that her plan was sound and a good one, and even Poe agrees to it. Just her as a leader the entire time is like, just shut up. And she belittles Poe and everyone around her, someone who we have learned to trust at this time. And then, um, you know, why the fuck did she need to be so secret? It just, that didn't make any sense to me. Like, her plan would have made sense if she was just like, hey, this is what we're doing. I need you to help me on this. And then, boom, absolutely. Um, so I, I, her and Poe's back and forth, I thought, was terribly done. Uh, their characters were just... It, it didn't it didn't work well for me. Yeah, I don't I don't know why she doesn't. Well, yeah, I don't know why she doesn't tell Poe here. But I also don't think telling Poe just means that he's like, hey, cool. That's the plan. Because he sure. already disobeyed right at the beginning of the movie. The plan. Yeah. He went against it and a bunch of people died. So I don't know if that's a reason not to tell a guy a plan. Um, but he's now gone way down the ranks. Right. So maybe she's just like, get off my bridge. You know, like this is you're not supposed mm -hmm. to be part of this plan now because you fucked up. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, I agree that maybe things would have went better if everybody knew the plan uh but i do think that uh it doesn't mean poe wouldn't have went and done his own shit yeah but i go I'm, back go back and akbar is a asshole who fuck akbar. does like tell he tells people what he wants <laughs> it should have been akbar right fuck here i think poe they were trying to like break poe in the you know uh, what no. what's that actually speaking of another franchise in the star trek uh 2009 reboot um you know, there's that line where Spock says, you know, Cap he refers to Captain Kirk as like this this horse stud that you have to break in or you have right. to break him before you can use him. And that's what they're doing to Poe here. They're trying to break him. They see the value he can bring, but he's too wild. So they're breaking him. So I, I get what they're doing with Poe. I didn't like Poe in The Force Awakens. I actually really liked him in this movie. I, I, I thought him going off disobeying orders left and right was a lot of fun. And I like that he didn't just get away with it. Like, they kind of secured him at every turn. Every time he tried to break free, they're just like, no, 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 no. You get back in line. And they actually ended up teaching him a lesson. Like, he actually grew a lot as a character for me in this movie because by the end of it, He's completely different than he was at the beginning. He learned his lesson. He was a terrible leader at the beginning. And by the end of it, he's a great leader because they just taught him. They're like, no, 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 no. This is how we have to do things. And he got it. Uh, so I really liked uh, the use of Poe in the movie. And they taught him in the way that he, they didn't just say it to him. Like they, yeah, they, they taught him. it in a pre, yeah, no, they showed well, him, you know, all Holdo did was just say until, until she, until the very end, you know, I'll say that back until the end, she did show him, Hey, listen, I know what I'm fucking doing and I'm going to, you know, martyr myself for this. Yeah. But the entire time that he was disobeying was when she was just like, shut up and listen, and I'm going to degrade you. And I guess I've had too many management classes, and I've been in charge of too many people that are just like, that's not how you fucking manage people. That's bullshit. I think he earned it. I think he earned that talk down. <laughs> he well, was being yeah. a bad boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was he a bad boy? <laughs> he was a Sorry. very bad boy. I liked when Leia <laughs> shot him. And yeah. then uh. he wakes up on a ship and he's like, what the fuck is going on? Where am I? And he turns around and Leia's sitting there. Just like, look, mm -hmm. I understand you made a mistake, but I'm here to help you out. I'm still on your side. I want you to like to grow. And I thought that was a really big moment for me. Just that she was there when he woke yeah. up to continue to like walk him down that path. 
you you're probably expecting her just to throw him on like a prison ship or something or like have this guy in handcuffs when he wakes up because he's doing all the wrong things. But Leia's just there to comfort him and be like, look, this was the plan. Like, this is why we're doing what we're doing. And you need to understand that. And if you do, you'll become a better leader than you are right now. Yeah, I don't I don't dislike any of that right there. My biggest problem is that Vice Admiral Holdo Admiral Haldo, even Admiral Akbar should not have been piloting that ship. They have too much experience, too much to offer the rebellion. Honestly, if we didn't do the Canto Bite bullshit, that should have been Rose uh, piloting the ship, and she could have been like, oh, I know what to do here. Let me do this. Like, I can do this, and then have Rose do it and sacrifice herself. It's just, it makes no military sense to have the Admiral. Like, you know, an admiral do that, like to sacrifice themselves, go down with the ship. They have too much experience that can be used in the future. It just makes no sense. That's a good point. They they have these, they have these uh, things called droids. Droids that could also, (laughs) I know, droid, a C-3PO, any kind of droid can do it. Yeah. That's, that's a great point. So I think 3PO and R2 are completely underutilized in these movies. They're shining points in the previous, um, you know, the previous movies. So. Could this have been a great moment for 3PO or R2 to have gone down with the ship? Yes. Oh, yeah. If you're not yeah, going to use that, them, that for we sure. would have all been weeping. Totally. Weeping. If, R2 went if it down, was like R2. Oh, my God. That would have been great. I love that. I love that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. Or, or give it great. to give it to C-3PO because, you know, you know, Anthony Daniels really pushed for something meaty in the next movie for him to do, you know, and the whole the whole Sith thing and everything. It was stupid. You should have given it to him in this thing and let Anthony Daniels actually do some kind of a, an amazing performance with C-3PO mm-hmm. as piloting the ship. Like, I, I can do it. You know, it, yeah, yeah. he's never piloted, though. R2 makes more sense because sure. he's pilots. I mean, but, but either way, either way, have R2 either way, there, but yes, have yeah. R2 there, or sorry, have 3PO there with him by his side. Yeah, yeah if they know? do, oh, if they go together, they go together fuck. Give us that. Come on. Yeah. I, I mean, I love that. It would be great. Um, I, I hate get, it, but I love it. I get that you have BB-8 in this movie and you're trying to sell new toys and all that, but like R2 and 3PO completely underutilized. Yeah. Especially because we realized how long they've been part of the franchise. You know, it's not just those original. Like, oh, my God. Actually, they co- go all the way back to Anakin building them and finding, well, building C-3PO and, you yeah. know, all this other stuff. Like, they've, they've been part of this story Longer than we originally kind of thought. And so, yeah, them kind of being cast aside for a quote-unquote cuter droid kind of sucks. It sucks for their their stories. Yeah, To the point where George Lucas has said that the original Star Wars trilogy and, you know, the prequels are told from, like, R2-D2's point of view. Right. You know, like, he's, like, the storyteller of it. And then I feel, yeah, the, the... so two of the biggest things that I hate about the sequel trilogy, lack of legacy aliens, you know, Akbar aside, um, and then the the just the lack of use of C-3PO and R2-D2 when they are literally what technically the stories are around every single movie. Yeah. So the Resistance has escaped to an abandoned rebel base on the planet Crate, and Kylo has followed them. Now, this is another just amazingly beautiful sequence here with this planet that has white salt that turns to red when touched. It's amazing. Ray and Chewie show up at the same time here in the Falcon. With, with some ha- porks on board, baby. Pork. There's, there's a pork <laughs> on board. I have a Falcon. hot take Falcon. for everybody. I think Chewie flies better than Han does. 
Yeah. <laughs> no kidding. He's twisting and spinning and doing some he awesome maneuvers. did some amazing stuff in, in the Falcon. But I, I really like here that Finn, we, we talked about it a little bit before, uh, Adam, you brought it up. I like that Finn is willing to give his life here for the cause. I think it's oh, yeah. a great moment. And Rose comes out of nowhere. To kill nowhere. him. To kill nowhere. him. <laughs> to kill him. They do. Well, a, she was. She was so far away. They do an overhead <laughs> shot just before she comes out of nowhere, and it's him alone in yeah. his vehicle coming towards this weapon. There's nobody else around. They show him pushing to full speed. Yeah. yeah. Like how the fuck? And then where does she get? She that? comes out of nowhere. And smashes into him, thinking it would be a better idea to kill them both <laughs> than for him just to save the day. So, how does it like? How uh, did they what? not both die there? That was exactly. I hate that so much. It's such a rob, you know. And then, of course, the fact that you know Finn can get out and run over to her, and she's like, "I was trying to save you, silly." And I'm like, "No, <laughs> you were trying to kill him. I think you were actually trying to kill him and yourself." It's a it's, car wreck. It's, it's She's just trying to cover madness. it. Madness, <laughs> like literally, that scene is madness. Yeah. The only thing worse is is when she leans up and plants a kiss on him. Oh, and then before passes she out. passes out. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding that was, me? That was a hard moment. Yeah. It's uh, anyways, to say don't don't you know there's no there's no future for us at all. That moment, <laughs> I'm cracking my last one on that moment. I started off with a dark and stormy, and this one is an Obtanium Light Whiskey, is what it says. So for the light side, we'll end on the light for me. And it's Very called nice, Obtanium. Is that, is that uh, made from Avatar, Unobtanium? Unobtanium. <laughs> 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 kind of is, yeah, Obtanium. But it is uh, actually the highest proof whiskey I own. Um, it is 147 proof. So it oh, is a beast geez. of a boy. Awesome. See you on the other side, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, it's a small sipper. Does it have one sipper. of those fireproof lids on it? Uh, no, but it does have a um, a little hazmat. Oh, you can't see it with my light, but there's a little hazmat symbol here on the thing. Wow. Highly flammable. Yeah. yeah. May Hell cause yeah. blindness. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I've, uh, if blindness was a thing in the world, I would have you'd, been there a long already. time ago. Adam, I love that you brought a theme to this episode. I appreciate that. Amazing. Thank you very much. That was a lot of fun. <laughs> the Resistance has sent out their distress call all across the galaxy. They only get one response. It's Luke. And he goes to face Kylo Ren. Corey, I wanted to ask you, what did you think of this new style of AT-AT that they had in this movie? Oh, the M-A-T-M-6 or something like that? Uh, not quite as cool as, as the AT-AT, in my opinion. Uh, I, 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 it didn't really jive with me. Honestly, of this whole uh, crate scene, um, I love the way the, the area looks, and I love the way uh, Luke and Kylo, like the way the scene is shot. I don't really care much for the battle aspect of it. I don't think it quite ever hit, hits any of the, the heights like uh, Empire, or Empire Strikes Back and everything. But yeah, I mean, the ATM-6 are cool, but man, nothing. Nothing holds a candle to old-school, iconic... Adats, all-terrain armored transports. Yeah, because there's not much of a battle here at all, really. No, it's just like no, these, it isn't. whatever these uh, these new, whatever you call them, Corey, I don't know their names. I'm going to call them the new AT-ATs. Uh, I, I did like the black. I thought they looked good in black, but yep. some of the other changes, yeah, might have been a bit too much. But they light up Luke just with all their blaster fire. 
And more, more. I want you to hit him with every gun that we have. Love it. Uh, great. I love that Hux had to like talk him down. It's like yeah. I think we can stop shooting at him now. You know. And then and I like that. I, there was some there, the humor in this movie. I think for the most part it hits, and I I bring it up now because the Hux thing where he was like you know kind of shot him a look, and then a little bit when he kind of crushes Hux and that one guy you know the captain's like yep right away sir you know what I mean they they, they do a good job with with inserting small moments of humor in intense scenes. There's some good. Yeah. I like the subtle moments though. Like I I don't mm -hmm. Adam and I talked about it before. I don't like when it's blatantly in your face. There was another yeah. moment with Hux where. Um, uh, Kylo and Ray in the throne room there, they're fighting over the lightsaber and what, what ends up happening is a big explosion and Hux comes in. He sees Snoke is dead. The Praetorian guards are all dead. Kylo Ren's lying there. He thinks he's dead too. And Hux reaches for his blaster and he pulls his blaster just a little bit out of his holster because he's going to shoot Kylo and then Kylo sort of starts to wake up and then he just slowly puts his blaster back <laughs> in his holster. Yeah. Yeah. Great moment, right? But because it was subtle, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be in our face, but anyways, um, the smoke clears. Luke is not dead. He's not even damaged. He's standing there. Uh, I had no idea what was going on here. No. Uh, they do drop, you know, several clues as to what might be happening. You know, you see Luke, his, his hair is shorter than normal. Uh, he came in the back way of the base, which is blocked. So there should be no way that he can get through. And then his feet aren't changing color uh, of the sand when he's walking on them. So they, they drop some stuff. I didn't pick up on any of that. I'm just like, wow, Luke's he, here. Cool. He even like, he even brushes his shoulder after he takes all those hits and like, there's no dust. There's no sand. There's nothing yeah, on yeah. it. Yeah. You, yeah. you go back and rewatch it and you're like, Oh, it was so obvious, it's so obvious you know, the whole yeah. time. But yeah. but it's not. And this is that's what I like about this moment because it's really not. And you know, they did take a force power that's been uh used in the extended universe prior. So they didn't make this one up uh for for the movie, um, which a lot of people thought they did, but I, I think it was expertly crafted and executed. Yeah, I agree. It was to a point. I have no issue with it being used until he forced so hard, and then he died. When at the end? <laughs> that was <laughs> at the end. That at the end. Oh, yeah. I have some, that, I have that some thoughts. My... I have some thoughts. Though, okay, but I, a couple couple of things to talk about first. But we'll, we'll we'll touch on that. But this this sequence was fun. Absolutely, him and then the reveal, all that kind of stuff. I actually I was all for this part and, yeah. and beautifully shot cinematography in this scene. Unreal. I love this yeah. scene so much. Dean, what'd you think? Oh yeah, I love the scene. I love the um I love the, like the white salt, you know, that turns to red and in this scene, they they've already sort of had the battle, so the whole ground is just like red and it like really looks like it's covered in blood. You know, yeah, it's like yeah, totally. blood red mm -hmm. and it's just like a battle happened here and now these two are walking on it. And then I do like that the salt's just continuously falling, so it does fill back up as they're just standing there talking, it fills back up with the white and then I they start moving that. again. Yeah, so I I I, I thought that was really cool. I love it. I love the, you know, I, I had no idea what was going on, right? So I just love the taunting of Luke here. I love the anger of Kylo. Like he just, he's so obsessed with this destroy, you know, destroy everything of the past, destroy the Jedi, destroy the Sith, destroy everything. Like I don't want any part of it. Um, so he's so obsessed with this. This in, in his mind, this is like the last thing to go, right? He just needs to get rid of this, this last Jedi he needs to kill him. 
Yeah. Um, so he's, yeah, I, I love it. I love his anger. And then I love, you know, what's going on in the background because this is where Poe has learned his lesson because Finn wants to go out and help him. He wants to go out and help Luke and Poe says, no, 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 wait, there's something else going on here. He's stalling for us to escape, which is not a lesson he knew at the beginning. He didn't know about escape at the beginning. He just knew about fighting. So right. I like that he's the one that comes up with the, oh no, there must be a way. There must be a way out of here. Yeah. 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 You, I agree. you mentioned the salt looking like, like blood. I really noticed when the first order they were dragging that big weapon through the salt and it really looked like whatever they were dragging was bleeding but uh, it was really interesting to me because what they were bringing was death to the resistance so i thought it was a really nice um almost like symbolism to that they were bringing the death was coming to the resistance it was really really cool neat idea to do that that was just oh yeah I, i like that but and yes. I've always liked the way that Kylo Ren unsheaths his lightsaber by stomping and doing this like motion with his arm while he's stomping. He like unsheaths it and lights it at the same time. I always thought that was fucking cool. Yeah. It's can, can I talk a little shit about his lightsaber? Something sure. that always bothered me. Sure. Is um, I think the unhinged flame is fantastic. You know, the unhinged um, laser part of it is great. Um, I, I don't dislike the, you know, two parts coming out on the sides, you know, like the venting on the sides. My issue is where I saw it being used as a hilt at times where I saw a lightsaber go down and stop, but there's actual like parts that it, that's mechanical parts. And we've seen from previous, um, movies that lightsaber, the actual lightsaber mechanical part can get cut in half. And so like, the hilt part should have been cut in half. And so I always, I don't know, it's just a weird little thing I noticed. And I'm like, I don't like that. Um, other than that, it looks really cool. I get nitpicky. That's it. I mean, it might <laughs> might make sense that the like the lightsaber part of it is still behind the, Un- the yeah, metal, but it. still sure. that they sure, should sure, sure. then then it should get damaged anyways, right? Like the metallic part yeah. should get damaged and yeah. broken away. Yeah. So I hear what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. This is just me. That's very, very nitpicky, Adam. Um, (laughs) I'll allow it though. That's 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 okay. Okay. But yeah, that's well. If you if you set up rules, you gotta follow them. I hear you. I I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's a Adam's like we went two up. minutes. We went two minutes without shitting on the movie. I gotta jump in here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, what the fuck is going on? I gotta yeah. jump in here. I want to shit on one of the coolest things in the movie: his lightsaber. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> well, uh, another thing I do. We haven't actually talked about it, and there's a lot of visual quality aspects. But I don't know if I've become too um, sensitive to it, or I've just—it's just so it was so noticeable in this film. There was a some of the use of blue screen really took me out where it was so obvious that some of the characters were not in the scenes. The lighting felt so different than some of the than the main character to their backgrounds that I was just like, oh, my God, like it it felt like to me, like the Hobbit in the world where it's like nothing feels like it is in the actual world that it should be. And Mm. so I there are some aspects of the. Um, the actual special or the, the the graphics, the motion graphics, that it just, it felt, you know, it felt lesser. And, you know, you're I was really missing some of the, like, bigger um, set pieces. And, you're like, you're actually filming inside of a world. I felt like we were filming inside of a CGI world and uh, for half the film. And I was like, wow, this just isn't right. 
So that, that I, they did use a lot of practical uh, practical effect characters in this movie more so than any of the other ones. I wonder mm-hmm. if that kind of didn't work for you. Like maybe the compositing of the practical effects mm-hmm. against the uh, yeah. the environments maybe didn't didn't work so well, but. Uh, it could be because it. it was definitely the compositing. It was not. You're right. Yeah. It was not the characters. I had no issues with characters, even like Mascanada, et cetera, who were CG characters. It was the compositing into the world around them. Mm. Yeah, I think it, I, I think this movie suffers from some of that. The compositing for sure. I don't know if Ryan Johnson does a lot of that. You know, I, I think he does a lot of practical stuff in his movies, which is why I think so much of this is practical. But yeah, there's like a bunch of stuff on Canto Bite that just looks bad. Um, yeah, I think yeah. this movie probably looks the best out of the. Um, you know, uh, trilogy here, but uh, it's still, there's there's some of those moments in it. I think it looks the best because mm-hmm. they do a lot of practical stuff. They are, you know, in a lot of sets, but some of the stuff doesn't quite work. And there, there's, ever since the first time I saw this movie and every time I watch it, there's a shot right before the the, the Battle of Crate where Princess Leia is looking out like like over the, the field and everything and she mm-hmm. has that, that collar of her jackets over her <laughs> yeah, mouth. She looks like a vampire. I, yeah. from the moment I saw that frame in the theater, I was like, I want just that frame yeah. blown up to like a poster size behind my my totally. my TV or something. I think it's one of the most singular, beautiful images uh, from all of Star Wars, which is kind of goes to th- this movie probably being one of the best looking Star Wars films. I think uh, out of out of all nine of them, uh, but that frame in particular, every time I see it, it gives me goosebumps. I just I fucking love it. I love the. The look in, in her eyes, you know, it's just, yeah. it's amazing. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Thank you for bringing that up because that is just a great, great scene. Yeah. So Luke has bought the Resistance some time to escape. Ray removes some boulders out the back entrance so they can get out. And Kylo takes his lightsaber and he strikes through Luke. And we learn that Luke is not really there. He's back on his home island but this use of the force to project himself appears to be enough to kill Luke. Now, I wanted to ask you guys, do you think that's what did it? Do you think the energy that he exerted within the force killed him here? Or do you think he allowed himself to pass over to the force because he felt like his journey was over at that point? I think, I think he pulled an Obi-Wan. I think that's what he did. I think he, he, do you think he passed, passed- over. He passed over because he had, what Ray had said is he had totally like said goodbye to the force. He had, he'd turned away from it. He's not even tapped into it anymore. So then he started to kind of slowly as the movie went on, do it. Like he, when Leia was injured, he kind of connected with Leia. And then here he decided, you know, I need to do this. I need to, I need to interject it. Even though I said no to Ray, I do need to get into this battle. They do need me. I'm Luke Skywalker. I can do something to help here. And that's what he did. And then I think he was like, okay, I'm done. Ray can take it from here. I mean, that's not how they presented it in the film, in my opinion. I feel it, it felt like he presented, I forced so hard, and then I crapped myself and I'm dead. Um, and it, it didn't, I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I think I needed, I needed one more movie with him before he's gone. Like, I think you had to have him some in the last movie, and then he passes there and then Ray fully takes the mantle. And him being so far away, not being legitimately part of the action, you know, to an extent, it just felt it felt disingenuous 
to my Luke. You know, I, I don't know as, as shitty as that sounds, but I, I can totally understand the he pulled an Obi Wan, and I I can see that. I just I guess I don't like it. Yeah, it's not it, it's not something that I think they did well. Yeah, Corey, and, and the fact that in the Rise of Skywalker we see her like take the X wing out and it's fine. That that's what ha- makes this have a problem. But without Rise of Skywalker, you're assuming the X wing doesn't work. So I'm right now watching this movie. I think Luke knows what he's about to do will save lives, but he knows it will kill him. I think it's kind of giving up if he's like, "Oh, I'm just gonna, you know, I'm over here. I'm just gonna turn into Force Ghost. I'll go help you guys later." I think that that takes a lot, a lot away from from his character. I think he knows. Doing this will kill him. It will tap everything that he has to do. And I think therein lies the hero. That's the hero. He's doing something that he knows will kill him. He doesn't just do it. And he's like, well, I'm still fine, but I'd be better off if I was in the ghost world right now. I I don't buy that. I think he went into this knowing it was going to kill him and he accepted it. And I think that is where the hero is. And I know that this movie is all about Luke being reluctant and everything. And I completely am on board with that. But at the end, I think it 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 is him being a hero at the end. I think and that only happens if he knows what he's about to do is going to kill him. I think it's tough. It's tough for me. I'm kind of in the middle. Like um, at first it did seem to me like just the effort killed him. But if you kind of study the scene where he goes back to his Island, you know, he's back to his whole body, you know, he seems a little bit exhausted and he takes a breath and he seems to recover and he's just sitting there for a moment and he seems okay. And then he looks out at the the suns or the, the one sun that's out there. And his moment with the sun seems to change his mind or change his demeanor. And then he kind of drifts off. So I'm not sure if his look at the sun was like, okay, this is just my last look here on earth and I'm going to fade away. Or if he looked at that, and, you know, for Luke, the sun, you know, the sun and sons has been a something that's gone through the, the trilogies with him. Maybe in that moment, he realized I just kind of achieved what I needed to. And I can leave it to Ray now. I, I do trust that she's the one to take this forward and that will be fine. And maybe I'll just, you know, maybe it's time for me just to, to disappear. So I'm not sure where I stand. I think the first time I watched it, I was on the side that Luke died from exertion. This last time I watched it, I think he decides to like take a step back and just remove himself from the scenario. But if, but if he could do that, why didn't he just do that years ago at this point? Cause I don't think he felt like it was his time to do that. I think he was the grumpy old man who was upset about what had gone down. He's like sitting in his little hut just ruminating on all the things yeah. that have yeah. happened. But this is, this is the first time in probably however many years that he realizes, Hey, maybe this happened for a reason. Maybe it was out of my control. He's been telling him this whole time. You didn't fail Kylo. Kylo failed you. Maybe he's come to terms with that. And he just did face Kylo, right? He, he got a chance to face Kylo again. Maybe he got his closure that he needed in that moment and realizes the resistance will be okay without him. And he says, look, I'm, I'm, I'm out. So I, I it's, I think it's left up, up for debate, but that's, I, I don't know. I'm down the middle. 
he wanted to punish himself all those years. That's why he was doing it. And now he doesn't need to anymore. Um, I, I just, so my question is like, has anyone ever just disappeared from dying? And I don't remember anyone who has. I feel like the disappearing is their own, you know, them like Obi-Wan doing it to let go. I've never seen a Jedi just be killed and then disappear or just die and then disappear. Like well, Yoda even... just died and disappeared, right? Yeah. Yep. Yoda just disappeared lying on the... Yeah. yeah. He died. He oh, just okay. like took his okay. last last breath and disappeared. Okay. okay. Yeah. I had a question. Do you think that green milk made him so ornery? Is that why he was such an angry guy? <laughs> well, Dean, Dean's had the green milk. I've had milk the green milk. He, he was I've very upset by it. Yeah. It's not good. It's not good. That's why he, that's why he's a grumpy old man. It is not good. That's it. It's so earthy. It's so bad. The blue, the blue is way better. The green is so yeah. earthy. It's not good. Okay. Oh, gross. Um <laughs> So Kylo, he walks into the uh, like resistance bunker here. He picks up Han's dice that have like made their way through this franchise because Luke gave them to Leia, but then the dice disappear. So this was really weird for me on a few levels. Like, first of all, why would Leia leave those dice? If they were Han's and Luke just gave them to her, why would she just leave them there? And because then, she knew Kylo was coming. Maybe, but, but then why did they disappear? Why did Luke give a gift of like a fake pair of dice? So maybe, maybe from what you're <laughs> saying, Corey, maybe, maybe it was <laughs> all really just it. like symbolic. Maybe he was just trying to pull some strings. Maybe, maybe that goes to the theory that he did do what he needed to do and let himself drift off into the force because he connected with Leia and Kylo in that moment. Hmm. Well, he couldn't I, I give her dice. He couldn't give her real dice because he wasn't actually there. So that's why they disappeared. Yeah. I guess so. I, yeah. My yeah. my biggest problem is how much Disney really put into the dice in yeah. there. Oh my god, they pushed yeah. the fucking dice. It's because, like the because dice. of the solo this, movie and everything. Movie, like, yeah. Exactly. But I don't. But, but none you, of us cared about the fucking no, dice. None of us cared about the dice, especially if you go back and watch A New Hope. Those yes. are just regular gold painted dice hanging yeah. there. They are yeah. not the fancy dice that you see in the rest of it. And by the way, they're not there in Empire Strikes Back. They're not there in Return of the Jedi no. because they were stupid. No one cared. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the Disney, the <laughs> Disney, they doubled down on the dice. So what this felt like to me this dice thing felt like to me was a mandate from disney especially knowing that solo watching solo immediately right after this movie you're like ah i get it they forced him to put the fucking dice in the movie yep leia says she's confident that they can build a new rebellion with what's left over there's barely any of them left we cut to a young boy who we see is force sensitive slave boy similar to anakin mm -hmm. He's wearing a rebellion ring and the Br end. Broom boy. <laughs> okay, so I we've talked, you know, enough about the movie, but what we like to do here on uh, our our Star Wars episodes here is we like to rank the movies. So let's do our rankings. Um Adam and Corey, you guys are going to include The Rise of Skywalker in your rankings because you won't be with us next episode. Dean and I are going to leave that out. But let's go ahead, rank this franchise. Adam, I'll let you go first. All right. Uh, yeah, and I that's exactly, actually, that was the main reason I watched Rise of Skywalker. Also, I wanted to get, re-kind of connect myself with how Last Jedi fit within the trilogy, and so I wanted to watch the entire trilogy again. 
Um, and so this really breaks out in three sections, if you will. Um, oh, let's go. The top let's go. Um, like, yeah, bottom. Top to bottom. Bottom to oh, bottom, bottom to, to top. top. Yeah. Okay. So the bottom four films are hot garbage. Well, maybe not hot garbage. They're watchable. Okay. They're watchable, but they're bad watchable Star Wars movies. Um, my least favorite Star Wars film of all time, Attack of the Clones. It's not a fucking good movie. I get Jar Jar. I get uh, just utter garbage. I get uh, Hayden Christensen acting terribly. I get sand. I get awful stuff. Um, it's not a good film, and I, I, I it's hard for me to change that. Rise of Skywalker is the second worst. Then Last Jedi, third worst. And then Phantom Menace. Again, not a good movie. There are moments that are really great in almost almost every single one of those. Attack of the Clones. I hate the movie. But the section where Padme has her entire like half midriff showing, oh my God, that's hot stuff. Um, <laughs> but besides that, those four movies are bad. Now we're going to get into the mediocre ones, which is Solo is my next least favorite, then Force Awakens above that, and then Revenge of the Sith above that. And then the top four are all phenomenal films. Like, it's a big jump for me between Revenge of the Sith to my number four, which is Return of the Jedi. Um, I think that's a big, you know, not a lot of people will agree with that because I'm a huge, huge fan of Rogue One. It's the best thing. Rogue One and The Mandalorian is the best thing that, like, really Disney Star Wars has done. So I give Rogue One my number three spot, my number two spot, A New Hope, my number one, Empire. Cool. Solid. Solid list. Okay. Corey, what do you got? Yeah, mine. I'm I'm looking at uh, my list here on Letterboxd. Go and follow me uh, under Corey Nation. Um, yeah, it kind of goes by eras. So starting at the bottom, uh, we have Rise of Skywalker. Uh, then we have Force Awakens, and then we have The Last Jedi. Hmm. Uh, I do very much still enjoy The Last Jedi, but it's. It's yeah, it's 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 in my least favorite era, which is in the sequel uh, era, you know. Uh, so number eight is Solo. I very much enjoy that movie. Uh, then we go into the prequel era, which is I have uh, bottom to top. I have uh, episode one, then episode three, then episode two, which I'm sure Tim will have problems with. Uh, <laughs> and ever and almost everybody it's all else, good, but. Buddy. Go wow! Go That's back and listen. Go back and listen to my, me being on here for the uh, Attack of the Clones episode. I love that fucking movie. Um, then my my top four are A New Hope, Rogue One, Then Empire Strikes Back, and my number one favorite Star Wars movie always since I saw it in the theater when I was like five years old, Return of the Jedi. But that means that like Rogue One, a Disney movie, is in my top three. It's yep. it, Rogue One is just a, a a whole separate beast from everything yep. else Disney's made, and I'm with you, Adam. I think Rogue One and The Mandalorian are probably the two best things that have come out of the Disney era. Nice, good list, Dean. You're up. All right, uh, this movie we're doing today is going to be pretty high. Um, I just really like a lot of the themes that are going on in the movie. Um, even though we didn't talk about a lot of them, <laughs> I, like, I do like a lot of the things that are going on. I like that. It's a movie that's basically like, um, uh, you know, star angry. The movie's angry at star Wars, but then the movie tries to show, like teach you at the end why you need star Wars and why you like star Wars. Um, so I do like that. I like that the villain is someone who hates star Wars. Basically. He just hates Jedi's and he hates Sith. He hates star Wars. Um, so anyways, I like it a lot. 
Bottom, Attack of the Clones. Actually, mine are in kind of eras too here. So bottom's Attack of the Clones. Next is Phantom Menace. Then Revenge of the Sith. Then, uh, then I get into the new movies. And we got Solo, Force Awakens, Rogue One, and then The Last Jedi. Top so far of the new era. And then I have the final three here. Return of the Jedi at three, A New Hope at two, and Empire Strikes Back at one. So Dean, cool. you like um you like the sequel stuff better than the prequel stuff then? I do. Yes, I like the sequel stuff better than the prequel stuff. And what did you have you watched Clone Wars and, and Rebels and whatnot? Uh not really. I've okay. watched a bit of Clone Wars. I haven't watched a lot of it. I've watched uh, a season, I think. I'd I'd be curious if after what if you ever have plans on it after watching uh, the Clone Wars cartoons revisiting the prequels and I would love to hear you know where they would rank after after that yeah for sure and and the thing is I'm a big fan of all of these like I'm I am a big fan of all the movies it's just uh, yeah this is how they fall <laughs> this is how they yeah, fall for me yeah and, and for me too I mean it's literally yeah. it ranges from like a ten to like a, a nine point one like exactly. as much as I don't like Rise of Skywalker. And every time I do watch it, it kind of actually dips. I've seen it about five times. It actually keeps going down. I can yeah, still 9. watch 1's it, fucking high. 9.1's way know, too high, I know, but it's still, it's still Star Wars, man. It's still literally <laughs> every great. fiber of my being, and I love it. It's and not, I just can't mm. I just can't handle hating anything Star Wars related. Yeah. It just... It, 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 in, a, in a world that is so fucking horrible right now, Star Wars is the one thing I don't want to hate on because it is... Everything that brings me light and joy, you know. Yeah, a- like Adam, that. we're not we're not we're not going to win by killing the things we hate. We're going to win <laughs> <Yes>. by protecting <laughs> the things we love. Exactly. Thank you, Dean. No. Thank you. No. You have to beat them into submission <laughs> until you like them. <laughs> you have to you have to blow them up in midair, <laughs> trying to save them. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm of the mind that yes, I have a list and I have movies at the bottom, but the movie at the very bottom. When it comes on TV on a Saturday afternoon, I'm not turning it off. I'm watching it. I'm enjoying it. I think it's a good movie. It's a fun movie. But these are my rankings. You know, we have to have something at the bottom. So uh, at the bottom, always and forever, will be Solo. Then (laughs) The Last Jedi. Then The Force Awakens. Then I have The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones. And at number five, I have Return of the Jedi. Then I have A New Hope. Number three is Revenge of the Sith. Number two is Rogue One. And at number one is The Empire Strikes Back. Oh, yeah. Okay. So we have very different lists, um, but very interesting. And this is the fun thing with us doing these lists is not nobody that we talk to has a list that's the same as anybody else. It, it's just always different for some reason. Um, my movies are kind of all over the place. I've got prequels near the top and, you know, um, others, you know, I've got the OG trilogy, one of them return of the Jedi in the middle, you know, and, uh, Corey, you had the, the sequel trilogy all at the bottom. So it's, you know, people are all over the place for different reasons. And I think it's just really interesting to, you know, talk about why you know why you like the movies you do and and where they sit so there's no wrong list that's the thing it's it's all good and um yeah i like all the movies and i uh, just like some of them much better than i like others yeah 
Yeah, it's it's kind of like what what are they in trying to impart, you know, for each movie is is kind of like my my barometer. Um, but I gotta say before we wrap wrap this one up, because um, I did say at the beginning we'd find out if it was me or my wife who liked the porks. It's me. I, I love the porks. <laughs> my Myra yes. is so vehemently against them <laughs> that it's becoming almost a source of contention in our household. Oh no! Oh, and uh, and I love them so much. She thinks they're stupid. She She's like, they're they just are. stupid birds. Yeah, Who I'm cares? With, I'm with your wife. <laughs> they're so weird. Yeah, Myra is dead on. She's dead <laughs> and on. And me and Dean. Dean, you got to back me so up, baby. <laughs> He's got one on his shoulder. He's tickling its yeah, belly. I love him. He's my friend. Love him. He's love my best him. friend. <laughs> Porgs have done nothing wrong. They have done nothing wrong. <laughs> they haven't done anything right. They haven't done anything at all. Yeah. Great. They haven't they done exist. anything wrong. Yeah. No, no need exist. to hate them if they haven't done anything wrong. I guess so. I don't hate them, but... I consider them kind of useless. Well, <laughs> except for they're food. birds. <laughs> they're fucking birds. <laughs> well, Adam, thank you again for joining. Um, please let the listeners know where they can find you. Thank you guys so much for having me. I really appreciate being back on the show. You guys can check out Blast from Our Past podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, and Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on your favorite podcast app if you want to listen to anything i'll talk about you know anything that you know any other crazy nostalgic thing or if you like trivia or if you like seinfeld which i'll let Corey talk about if you if you like the dy- dynamic between me and Corey, <laughs> then you guys will like cartwright a seinfeld podcast <laughs> yeah we <laughs> We, we have a blast over there. We have a blast on Cartwright of Seinfeld podcast. Adam and I, uh, we're actually about done with Seinfeld proper. Uh, Adam is actually going to be flying up here to see me uh, in, uh, in November, and we're going to mm-hmm. re- record our uh, series wrap-up for that. Uh, but we also are uh, making our way through Curb Your Enthusiasm on the Cartwright Patreon page. We are only about... Uh, almost done with season four, so we still have like eight seasons ahead of us. So we got a ways to go on uh, uh, Cartwright Presents Curb Your Enthusiasm uh, on Patreon. So if you want to check that out, it's uh, patreon.com slash Cartwright. And of course, uh, you can check me out on podcasting After Dark, the dark shadow of the blast from our past. Right on. All right, everyone listening, if you're looking for a way to support Talking Back, there's a few ways you can do that. Please tell your friends about us. Let them know why you listen. Also, you can leave us a review and rating on iTunes. You can send us a one-time donation of any amount at buymeacoffee.com slash talking back. Or you can sign up to be a patron and gain access to exclusive episodes over at patreon.com slash talking back podcast. And now that this episode's over, don't worry. Head on over to the bfopnetwork.com Check out one of the other amazing nostalgia-based podcasts in our network. We promise you'll find something you like. Dean, thank you for joining. Thanks, Tim. Thank you, everybody, for listening, and we'll catch you next time.
Hello everybody, I'm Adam. I'm John. And every week we are giving you a blast from our past. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, album reviews, top tens, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. So please join us every single week on the Blast From Our Past podcast. You can find us on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, however you listen to podcasts, you can find us, and we would love to have you take a trip with us to the land of nostalgia. I'm Adam. And I'm Corey. And we are the hosts of Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast. We are breaking down every single episode of Seinfeld as we watch it, reliving this amazing show. That's right. It's a trip down memory lane for all of us 90s kids out there. You can find Cartwright, a Seinfeld podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Patreon. La la la. Hey everybody, I'm Corey. And I'm Zach. And we're the hosts of Podcasting After Dark, a cast dedicated to late night horror and sci-fi of the 80s and 90s, often found on HBO and Cinemax. You know, the movies your parents didn't want you watching as a kid. You can find us every other week on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. This is what you want. This is what you get. Have you been wondering where's the beef? Well, on our podcast, Throwback Trivia Takedown, you might just find that out, as well as some other things about the 70s, 80s, and 90s. We're a nostalgic-based trivia show that pits two challengers head-to-head in a duel of the decades, with categories ranging from movies, TV and music, to slang, food, and fashion. You're sure to get the best in retro-themed trivia. So strap on your jelly shoes, grab a surge, and walk like an Egyptian to your favorite podcast app and check out Throwback Trivia Takedown. I heard even Mikey likes it. <laughs> 